meeting to order. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at qac.org live or on our television channel, BreezeLine Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org public comment. Citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Any comments received will be read during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge everybody's participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table outside in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If you could uh, please remain standing. Moment of silence for Wicomico County Sheriff's Deputy Glenn Hilliard. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, our first order of business is to approve this evening's agenda and minutes. Uh, so our agenda for today's meeting, June the 14th, and the minutes from our meetings, your meetings on May 23rd, May 24th, May 25th, the closed session minutes from May 24th, and the Sanitary Commission minutes from the May 24th meeting have all been circulated electronically for review. Do we have any additions or corrections? Yes, uh, make the motion to add one desk item to the action items. Second. Got a motion second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. Motion to accept the agenda as amended and all minutes as submitted. Second. All right, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, commissioners. Okay, we just had a closed session under the general provisions article section 3305B1 to discuss boards and commissions. And I believe we have a few appointments to make on boards and commissions. The Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board. Yep. Uh, I make a motion to reappoint Mr. Dale Story to fill the vacancy on Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board. This term will expire on May 31st of 2027. Second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Jim. Board of Building Appeals. I move to reappoint John Leon to fill the vacancy on the Board of Building Appeals. This term will expire on June 30th, 2025. Second. Got a motion and second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Uh, the Board of Licensed Commissioners, the Liquor Board, 
I move to reappoint Gene Ransom to fill the vacancy on the Board of License Commissioners and redesignate Mr. Ransom as Chairman of the Board. This term will expire on June 30th, 2026. Second. A motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Uh, Emergency Services Advisory Council. Um, I move to appoint, reappoint Steve Pringle to fill the vacancy on the Emergency Services Advisory Council. This term will expire on June 30th of 2024. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. That brings us to our first uh, press and public comment period. So thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. There's none. Oh, we have none? So I can skip that? Skip that. All right, we'll skip that. Anybody want to we'll... speak? We're good. All right. Okay, we can move to tab six. We have uh, presentations next. Uh, first, we have Mr. Dan Schneckenberger, the Executive Director of the Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board. Introduction of our new Executive Director. All right. All right. Dan, come on, on up, Dan. And welcome. Thank you. So that's tab six, item one. Mr. President, Board of County Commissioners, I'm pleased to be here. My name is Dan Schneckenberger. I'm and the new Workforce Investment Board Executive Director for the Upper Shore since March 1st. Uh, Want to just take a quick opportunity to introduce myself. Uh, had tried to get in earlier, but we have a lot of Tuesday evening meetings also. So uh, thank you for uh, working with me to finally get on the calendar. But uh, um, have had several meetings with uh, a lot of your staff people uh, here in the past few weeks. Um, Heather Tonelli, Rebecca Lepter, Connie Dean, uh, certainly Linda Friday, great Chamber of Commerce president, been good for introductions and businesses to understand what's going on in the workforce in Queen Anne's County. You guys are doing very well. Your unemployment rate is just ticked below 3%, so uh, you're, you're doing very well here. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations with uh, Bev Churchill and Joanne Embert. We're doing a lot of uh, workforce training for a lot of your staff, mainly in the CDL Class B licensing. <laughs> and uh, so we're, I believe we have about nine employees uh, going through our system and they will get to training at Chesapeake College and the WIB will pay for it. Uh, so glad to help out. They are essential workers. It's part of our ARPA funding that we've received and we're doing that not only for Queen Anne's County or any municipality, or county government in the Upper Shore area. So now we're actually doing some Centerville, Town of Centerville employees, and we'll continue to get the word out to offer it to anybody who's looking for that. So- Hey, Dan, real quick, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, so we're, uh, Beverly, we're getting uh, our county staff licensed with, to get a commercial driver's license. That is correct. Okay, and, and, the, um, and your board is paying, is funding it. Is there any kind of, because I, I know you can't drive down the road today and look at the back of a truck that doesn't say we're hiring CDL drivers. Yep. Is there a fear of losing, um, losing them? So the way that it's working is we're, 
working in, co in conjunction with the, the Workforce Investment Board, and they're paying for the training. And then the college is providing the course, and it's a special course that the college has designed for counties and municipalities. It's a three-week course. And they're going to roll it continuously for a while to catch up on the backlog that we all have in trying to get CDL drivers. Um, so basically what we have done, because we have a, a large need for equipment operators which require CDL licenses, we're hiring one grade below highway technicians and then getting them through this class, we can promote them up to equipment operators. So that's kind of what we're doing on okay. our end. Okay. And then when they get the, um, there's a lot of prerequisition work we have to get done to get them into the class. And part of that is they're signing an agreement to work for us one year following completion of the class and successful obtaining their CDLB, uh, their CDLB license. Uh, otherwise they then owe back um, the okay. money that, they, that we paid for them to attend the class. And what I'm seeing on the backs of trucks are the CDLA? Yes. Which is Tractor trailers are A. Most 99% uh, of the uh, equipment and vehicles county governments would, would use only need a B. Okay. Well, yeah, most of what we need is B. And we've had a lot of meetings starting back in, I guess, November with um, our interested staff as far as the manager supervisors the college the um, Work workforce investment board we've included other counties in, our, in the in the upper shore area to make this all happen um, so it's been a lot of work on many people's parts to make this happen and the first class is getting ready to start um, I think July, July 11th. Or July 11th. That's brilliant. So we're really excited about it. Existing county employees to get CDL? Yep, and existing fire. employees mm -hmm. that are required to get it, and the supervisor provides us with the names. We get them to the college, so the college can vet them through their process. And then there's a list of things we have to provide, or the Workforce Investment Board vets them through their process to get the funding, and the college has a list of things that we have to give them. They have to have a DOT physical, they have to have a, a, a drug, drug test, test right, sure. and we have to put them through the clearinghouse so that's established. So there's like a lot of moving parts to make this work. Is there any requirement of how long they have had it been a county employee before they qualify for the program? Right now, we haven't put that in place because we have so many, you know, such get, a, a right. need. Now, maybe down the road, we would look at doing that, but right now, we just really need CDL drivers. And you said there's nine getting ready to enter? I believe, yeah. We, yeah, I think Steve, we've registered all of them, and we've actually streamlined our process. Mm -hmm. If somebody were to come off the street, we have an intake process and then a career counseling piece. We've waived all that, you know, working with Beverly, just to try to say proof that you are who you are, so basically a 9-9 and that you're a county employee, um, and then boom, they're registered with Chesapeake College. We're trying to do everything we can, and the, and every the college workforce investment board has been great to work with as far as making it all happen. So, what with, with the vacuum we're in, how long do you think before, if we're having the intakes like you are now, right out of the gate, how long are we? Are we six Just months, two years, ten years? Um, and I know we're going to have to backfill. Well, I know we'd have to backfill them as people leave. That's that's just part. The yeah, part of it. But I'm just it. saying, with the vacuum we're in now, I don't know the backlog of the other counties, so it's just how quick all of us can get our people into the classes. I, I, I will say, Beverly has been uh, very aggressive in getting <laughs> county employees <laughs> into the system. Uh, some of the other counties are. 
getting the word out um, and and trying to get their folks going. And so I think I think you guys will be ahead of the game, you know, from that standpoint. But you know, we're we're doing outreach with Easton, St. Michael's, uh, you know, Caroline County has some people going through the system. So uh, roughly, I would think probably 50 or 60 for the entire Upper Shore, but. It, it, it remains to be I seen. think the first class has six slots. We have four of the six slots. Kent County has some people in there as well. We could do this for our firefighters too, right? As, as I mentioned to you, Commissioner, in the, in the meeting, um, one of the things that's good about these ARPA fundings for uh, essential workers, if, if there are volunteer firefighters that need a CDL now to drive a fire truck, we will gladly pay for the same tuition and get them that. Perfect. So as I tell all of us, when I move around here, if, if you're connected with those groups, either they can come directly to me and I'll, I'll put them through the system or, or just however you want to do it. But some of the people are in the know in the volunteer fire companies. If they have people to do that, we'll, we'll take care of that as well. When's your next FPC meeting? Uh, next month. But I, I can reach out to Billy and he can get the word right, out. I want to get them to have my class. And who, and who, and who would they contact? <laughs> uh, they could contact me, but I'll leave some brochures. Okay. Honestly, there's a web at chesapeake.edu that'll come through, and my intake people will know if they say, hey, I'm a volunteer firefighter, I'm interested in CDL, we'll move them right along the, the premise as well. So part of, the, part of the funding is dedicated to helping the community recover from COVID. So we know a lot of trainings weren't happening during COVID right. and right. people still had to work. So we're just, we know there's a backlog, a training deficit. Or even recertifications for that matter too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Any of these. Hey, it expired six months ago. There were no classes. Right. Now I'm in limbo. Right. So one of them, they, they had what they had, uh, amnesty period, I guess. Um, how long is that? before that expires on some. I know some licensures gave six months, some gave a year. Um, do you know? I think it's six months and it, it depends on the jurisdiction, but I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure. They, some, it depends on the Department of Transportation. They may say it's been too long, you're gonna go through the class. Gotcha. If they, and if they haven't been through the class, then obviously it's a They have to. They have to. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. How many other? Point of business. I was hopeful that it was in your uh, boards, Got a motion. And, boards and commissions. Uh, Who wants to make this motion here? Huh? I think it's in there. And is it an action item? No, it's in the presentation. It's in your oh, it's in the yeah, it's right there. Yeah. It's in your you had a recommendation for I did. membership I did. on I your uh, um, board. We would like we, the WIB would like to reappoint Beverly Churchill for another three-year term on our workforce investment board. Uh, her term expires June 30th, 2022. So it will be a three-year term. To so do we have some time to think about this yes. before we make when, that when decision? We have to make a decision tonight. <laughs> All right, guys. Why are we rushing? Why are we rushing this? I'm going to reappoint Beverly Churchill to fill the vacancy on the agriculture. Oh, that's wrong one. I you put, don't put her on the ag board. Well, she doesn't put her on the ag board. I moved to reappoint Beverly Churchill to serve on the Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board for a term of to expire June 30th, 2025. Oh, think of that second that just came out. running right out, didn't that one? All in favor say aye. 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 <laughs> Any right. opposed? 
You know, Beverly's going down and writing a harassment claim right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You guys have such a long agenda. I must have missed it on there on page four or five or something. <laughs> but appreciate you being here. Um, thank you very much. A few of these to pass out. These thank are hot off the presses. Um, but uh, thank you for your support of the web, and uh, we'll continue sure. to help out your community. Good luck. Thanks, thank, you, Dan. Dan. thank you, All right. Thanks, Dan. Congratulations, Beverly. <clears throat> All right. More responsibility. All right, commissioners, next we have um, Teacher of the Year Proclamation for 2020-21, uh, Stephanie um, McKenzie. I believe she's here. Come on up. And this is... Um, Did you guys already know how long it is? <laughs> item number two, tab six, page three. So come on up. Stephanie. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. Yeah. Is that the rest of the family? Yeah. Oh, Bring them come all. On. Come on Bring up. Them all come up. on up. I get a little noisy. That's all right. Uh, Here, I love that. Uh, that's a little, we're used to that. So before we read this, you want to introduce everybody you brought with you? Yes. So this is my daughter, Haley, my Hi, husband, Haley. Matt, Hello. and my littlest, Ellie. Oh. Matt has two daughters. Oh, yes, man. he does. <laughs> it would be rough in about 13 years. Well, Chris, you're used to that. Chris, I got three. Commissioner's got two. Two piece cake. <laughs> Maybe you might want to make sure he gets your business card before he leaves. <laughs> That's right. He's seeking uh, some advice. <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you so much. I have the pleasure of reading your proclamation. Um, proclamation 2233. Whereas Stephanie McKenzie is a strong advocate for mental health awareness, empathetic teaching, and civic responsibility. And whereas Stephanie McKenzie received her administrative certifications from Johns Hopkins University in 2019, master's degree from Wilmington University 2012, and bachelor's degree from Wesley College 2010. And whereas Stephanie McKenzie teaches eighth grade English language arts and is also service learning coordinator, actively presenting students opportunities to learn empathy and practice civil involvement. And whereas Stephanie McKenzie currently is participating in multiple committees, including equity, social, emotional learning, and Title I engagement. And whereas Stephanie McKenzie won the QACPS New Teacher of the Year, NHD History Teacher of the Year, and QACPS's Spirit Award for Coaching Competitive Cheerleading. And she was a finalist for the 2021-2022 MSDE Teacher of the Year. And whereas Stephanie McKenzie is a resident of Centerville, Maryland, where she resides with her husband, Matthew McKenzie, two daughters, Haley and Elizabeth, and whereas Stephanie McKenzie is grateful for the opportunity to represent our great Queen Anne's County Public Schools as Teacher of the Year, and now therefore be it resolved that the County Commissioner of Queen Anne's County recognize Stephanie McKenzie for her de dedication to her talent, her students, and her coworkers, and for being named the 2020-2021 Teacher of the Year. So, Crit, do you have the keys to the? Uh, Porsche that she gets for a year. Electric coach. So, being in the COVID era of the teacher of the year, how was it? I mean, obviously, I know what's happened in the past and all. Was it? Did you get to make anything up in terms of going around the state and doing the normal stuff, yes. DC and all that stuff? Did yes. You? Just recently, I got back from the teacher of the year retreat out to Deep Creek Lake, okay. beautiful Garrett County, um, and got to make a lot of. Um, connections kind of trying to drive some more stem activity coming into oh, our county um, they are world champions um, in robotics up there so i'm trying to get some connection um, brought back down here so working with a few others here in the county to try to bring that wow. i know world champions not just the united states world yeah. wow yeah. Yep. impressive 
Are we world champions yet? I don't think we are yet. We we'll have to work on that. Put yeah. that on the list. Of we got to work on that. Yeah, we got to put that on the list. <laughs> yeah, we got to, you know. <laughs> well, we're certainly well on our way with teachers of the year like yourself, Mackenzie. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so it's picture time, right? Yep. Yep. Ready for a Commissioners, we are um, right on schedule at six o'clock. We have a agricultural preservation public oh, no, hearing different. application hearing. So Donna Smith is here. She will come up and officiate the hearing tonight. These are new applications for agricultural preservation easements. We have several applications here to go over. All right, Donna. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, Todd. Uh, nice to see you again. Welcome. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a public hearing for MALF applications. I need to read the certification of publication that was posted in the paper. <clears throat> Excuse me. Notice of hearing pursuant to the Agricultural Article Section 2-504, the Annotated Code of Maryland. The County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County will hold a public hearing June 14th. 2022 at 6 p.m. in their office at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland. The hearing is here, her, excuse me, is held to receive public comments on the establishment of agricultural preservation easement applications on the land owned by the following petitioners. Florence Nash Lednam, trustee, third election district, tax map 52, parcel 11, 197.08 acres, Lowen Farms, LLC, 3rd Election District, Tax Map 68, Parcel 1, 133 acres. C. Temple Roads, Jr. Trustee and Patricia A. Roads, Trustee, 3rd Election District, Tax Map 47, Parcel 7, Lot 1 and Lot 3, 138.17 acres. Benjamin G. and Jane E. Stanton, 2nd Election District, Tax Map 30, Parcel 23, 47 acres, Ralph C. and April D. Whaley, Jr., 5th Election District, Tax Map 60, Parcel 10, 316.34 acres, Ralph C. and April D. Whaley, Jr., 7th Election District, Tax Map 12, Parcel 184, 100.43 acres. The Queen Anne's County Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board has given favorable recommendations to the county commissioners in the submission of the agricultural preservation easement applications. 
direct any comments or questions regarding agricultural preservation to Donna Landa Smith at the Queen Anne's County Soil Conservation Office, 211 East Water Street, Maryland, 21617-443-988-4178. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems will be available for individuals with hearing impairments. Please contact Tina Miles. Oh, we gotta change that, don't we? 410-758-4406 or TDD 410-758-2126, seven days before the hearing date if above is needed for the meeting. Queen Anne's County Board of County Commissioners, Margie Hack, clerk to the County Commissioners, and it was in the Record Observer Bay Times June 3rd and the Bay Times Record Observer June 10th, 2022. All right. All right, good. Testimony or anything? Anybody here to speak on this? Let me sign up. Motion. Uh, I move to approve the six new mouth properties for easement applications to be submitted to the mouth board of trustees for approval and appraisal. Second. We got a motion and a double second by Commissioners Wilson's. <laughs> All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Five zero. Motion carries. One thing that these are just new applicants that have never applied for. We are submitting 15 applications. The other applicants have been repeat from past years that didn't get funding. So the total of the 15 applications will be 2,612 acres. So that's a quite a bit more than we normally submit, but the state of Maryland has more money to invest in land preservation. So we're hoping that we'll get more of the pot. What's the total acreage? 2,612 acres, 15 parcels. So now either Jim or me's got to ask the question we always ask. So where does that put us in the last six years in terms of preservation? We are definitely in second place because this past June of 2020, because you so graciously pledged the $1.3 million of county money. We had an initial allocation from the state of $892,649. And with the county match, that secured an additional $2 million. So we started out with $4,225,983, which is a great amount of money. We were able to fund six of the 10 applications and that was a total of $1,034. And we still have the second round to go, and we won't know that until July. They'll announce that at the July meeting. That's um, the fourth Tuesday of the month. So I probably won't know until August. 1,034 acres. Acres, you mean? Yes. That were, dollars, acres. So how far behind are I'm sorry. We from, uh, from, from Carroll County, you know, I really don't know how much they've got, but they have their own county program, which surpa way surpasses us, and they um, have a consistent funding source that funds their county program in addition to what they get from MAUF. It would be tough. I figured it up today. If we fund everybody on my list, it would take about uh, $84 million to fund everybody. That's all? That's it. <laughs> okay. That would clear up my list. Well, now we have another goal. That's right. Yes. World champions. Yes. yes. Yeah, we'll be a world champion preservationist, right? <laughs> Is there any other questions? Um, now, the funding for this batch that will go in, I will come in front of you again in January, and we'll talk dollars and cents again in January. So, so. typically, we deal with MALF and Royal Legacy. Is there any other funding programs that are available that for preservation? Um, there are some funding sources 
Um, of course, there's private easements that you could do for tax credits and not funding, actually, like Maryland Environmental Trust, you could receive tax credits instead of receiving money. Um, the only other funding source that we've used in the past, um, and it's been, I would say, probably eight years since we've used the funding, is the ASEP program. It's A-C-E-P, which is Agricultural Conservation Easement Program. That's through the USDA NRCS, which is Natural Resource Conservation Service um, Office, which is the sister agency to Soil Conservation and Maryland Department of Ag. It's federal funding. Um, no county in the state has used that federal funding for probably close to seven or eight years because the easements have become very, very restrictive. For example, they only allow 2% of the farm to have impervious surface which would be driveways, barns, buildings, sidewalks, houses, pools. Um, if you put poultry houses on it, it wouldn't be eligible to have a poultry house. And you can never subdivide that property. If you had a 300-acre property, the feds say that it has to stay 300 acres in perpetuity. It can never be subdivided. There's no lots. And you well, family farm, you couldn't even put your kids' houses on there. No, sir. Plus, you have to have a 25% match from a county agency or another um, government agency, they only cover 75% of it. And we have found, we have a, a farm in the county right now that is trying to recombine two parcels that his family has owned for probably 75 years. And it goes to the national office in DC and they've turned it down. So it's very, very, very restrictive. And pretty much if you've got green tanks uh, beef operation, a hog operation, a poultry operation, if you had all that on your farm and you were at the 2% um, impervious surface and you wanted to pull, put a pool in your backyard, they're going to tell you no. Hmm. So, and it's, it, we have 20 farms right now within the county that has that federal funding. But the regs change. What is, the regs have like changed. The yes, have changed. we used to use the money years, and there's like sixty million dollars sitting there in the federal coffers available to use, but the landowners don't want to participate because they don't want to be that restrictive be on their property, thinking long term, because right. it is in perpetuity. So that's, and I can't in good faith sit down with the landowner <laughs> and say, oh well, well we're not going to worry about that two percent until it happens. That's just no, not suck. being a good steward of, you know. Yeah, plus getting rid of the farm later to, to your, your hamstringing anywhere if you were to Correct. hand it down or to give it to family members or whatever. Yeah, one of the applicants that's applying in this cycle that you just approved, the entire farm is 632 acres. We split it in half because we knew that we would never get enough funding to do that one particular farm. Right. So if he were to participate in the FRPP, he could put the whole 600 acres in there, but it has to stay 600 acres forever. Gotcha. Then that potentially could be a problem. Hmm. Very well. That's okay. Right. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, extended Julia, uh, congratulations on her Gold Coast travel team win. Thank you very uh, much. Yeah. We're rooting for her all summer. Yes. My daughter is playing um, some travel ball this weekend on a 23U college kids, and they got in their first tournament and they won it in Pennsylvania. So Niagara Falls next Did weekend. You see it? No, I wasn't able to go. I had company coming from out of town, but they're in they're playing in Niagara Falls this weekend, so we'll see how they do. Good for her. But thank you. All right. Commissioners, next we have um
presentation on Everside Health, and it's up on the screen here. So it's also in your books um, under tab number six, item three, page four. And we have Beverly Churchill and Stuart Sutley from Bolton Innovation Group that are going to present this this evening. I also have some visitors, some additional visitors. Oh, and uh, our <laughs> superintendent. Right. Dr. Salins and Jane Towers, CFO of our Board of Education. Welcome all of you. All right, Welcome a full house. All right, thank you all very much. Um, so Queen Anne's County, along with uh, County Public Schools, we're in a consortium for our health insurance. Um, it's called ESMIC, which stands for the Eastern Shore of Maryland Educational Consortium, just as a little bit of background. And I guess about eight or nine years ago, we, the county, established a wellness committee. <coughs> and in its very infancy, we started tracking um, patient uh, prime PCP attribution rates, um, mainly because the committee felt that it was important for our, our employees to have a primary care physician um, so that they could, um, you know, ensure that they were getting their wellness screenings and exams if there was a... Um, you know, an Ill, a disease or illness found, it was found early so that there, there could be some intervention. Um, but when we started tracking that, we found that about 13% of our employees did not have a primary care physician. So the wellness committee started trying to promote that as an issue, um, but we've struggled with that. And so right now we have about 24% of our employees that don't have a uh, primary care physician. And generally on the Eastern Shore, historically, it's been an underserved area for primary care. And, um, you know, sometimes we've experienced turnover on the shore with providers or challenges with access to care. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in a minute with the, the presentation. But today I want to present to you an alternative we have to offer to our employees uh, with access to primary care providers and a mechanism also with it to help control a portion of our medical costs in our health insurance plan. So we looked at this model a couple years ago, but it wasn't really developed enough to bring it to you. But now um, with ESMIC and uh, partnering with um, the, uh, pub, the, the schools as our partner, we have a model that we think will provide a unique <coughs> opportunity for all of our employees and their dependents. So right now I want to take a minute and um, introduce you and turn the presentation over to Stuart Sutley. He is with Bolton, and Bolton provides the consulting uh, for our uh, ESMIC group. And so we want to let him sort of give you an idea of what we're calling uh, Everside Health and providing a um, health center that would be fully accessed by our employees and their dependents. Great. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, as Beverly said, I'm Stuart Sutley, and I've spent probably the last 25 years in healthcare, really working with employers around the country on strategies to help better manage healthcare costs and risk and greater access. And before joining Bolton, I ran the health center business for Johns Hopkins. And so I've spent a number of years in, you know, how do you bring a, a new model of healthcare to a kind of a captured audience, which is an employer and their dependents for uh, a lot of benefits. And so um, I'm going to walk you through this oh, quick presentation and yeah, and any questions along the way. But, you know, I'm going to kind of set the stage first and then tell you the solution and the, the to set the stage. There we go. Um, 
is probably quite a bit of this is what you already know, but there is a national site out there um, that's hosted by the Health Resources and Services Administration that actually designates counties around the country that are medically underserved. And Queen Anne's County falls into that. That just means per capita, there's not enough primary care to support the population. And so what you typically see in these situations, as Beverly just said, is you see more and more people starting to use urgent care as a means to take care of their health care needs, but that's not really the, the goal of urgent care to be your primary care. Urgent care is for the presenting issue. You know, I have a cold, I have an injury, um, I, have an I have six kids, I have an urgent care near my house and I have funded it personally for many years um, <laughs> because, you know, that's what it's there, it's for that immediacy. But what we're missing in this country is the establishment of a relationship to really help people manage their care. And it's, it's getting harder. Um, we're at a really interesting time right now where there are many primary care physicians that are retiring um, and not enough coming in to, to fill the void. So nationally, the wait time to get a primary care visit is about 56 days. Uh, and also 80% of the primary care physicians today in our country are now owned by health systems, which um, is not very well aligned because they're basically um, driven by volume. How many patients can we see a day? And also how many referrals can we make to the health system um, on a monthly basis? So that time that a patient gets to spend with their primary care doctor is very limited. Beverly already hit on a couple of these numbers, but I think you know the, the numbers speak for themselves, especially what we've seen in the last couple of years, and I've seen this across the board with employers, the increase in costs in behavioral health care spend, which these health centers will also assist in, uh, and also just the lack of engagement that we see, especially with carriers. You know, the, your carrier is care first. I, I think they do a great job at what they're supposed to do but they have programs that really don't drive engagement. So, you know, there are 342 members within the Queen Anne's County uh, employee base that should be in some type of disease management coaching and only four are engaged. And that's because there's not somebody there to advocate for them. So as, as I go through a couple more of these slides, just think of advocacy and how we can really connect people. So, you know, I've already hit on this, but primary care is a real challenge right now for many reasons. Um, and really, you know, if you pick up any kind of publications out there today, especially over the last couple of years, we've got a lot of provider burnout. Uh, and so the, they are, again, leaving the, the business, they're retiring. And as new entrants come into medical school today, the vast majority want to be specialists. That's where the money is. It's not weekend work as much. It's a much better lifestyle. So we're seeing, again, this really um, challenge of really finding people. So what the solution is, is there is a um, very large growing business out there. There are a number of different providers uh, or organizations, and the one we have selected is Everside Health, um, that provide uh, what we call direct primary care, advanced primary care. So they put health centers on site. They, they, it's a complete turnkey solution from helping identify the space to the build out, to the hiring, um, the staff and all be, are there, their employees, and they manage it. And really the goal here is to get 
people to establish that relationship with primary care. Now, if you have a primary care physician, because this comes up quite a bit, doesn't mean you have to leave your existing primary care physician. What they'll do here is support that primary care physician. So doctors today aren't set up if somebody has diabetes to continually touch base with them and see how they're doing managing that. In this model, that the staff at Everside will, with the patient's permission, uh, meet with or talk to their doctor and say, let us do that on your behalf and we'll keep you up to speed. So it's a really great way to keep people engaged and keep them moving through the process. So we see lots of reduced co-pays, unnecessary referrals reduced, and things that really not only will save the county and the school's money, but also save the individual's money in co-pays, wasted time, et cetera. Yes, sir. Stuart, question for you. So, so um, how's that collaborative working relationship with the primary care provider? Um, are they agreeing that, that you guys are filling a void um, between the time I saw my primary care for, say, an annual physical checkup and, and the next time I have to go back and see them? How's that? Are they receiving this as their primary, as the primary care provider? Are they receiving this program? Yeah, so I think if you're understanding your question, first off, the, the, the docs that are out there today, they don't really have any much more capacity, right? They're all full. Okay. So they're not really threatened by this model that we're gonna come in and take all their take care. Take their patients, away. right. Um, that, so they're full. What they are challenged with is the continual um, touching base with the patient because honestly they don't get paid for that you know the healthcare today is a fee for service so once that patient comes in and they pay for their annual um, primary care visit or they pay for their diabetes management um, every time they reach out and touch them and talk to them they're not billing for that so they see this as a way to help keep their patients really um, accountable and compliant with those plans that they've put in. So the Everside team is able to collect information in their electronic medical record and actually share it with the physicians. So when you, if you had another physician in the community you went in, they will actually have already some of the care that happened behind the scenes. So it works very well. And I think um, the ladies here will agree. We also have talked to several of other folks in the area who know um, you know, UMS and some of the other systems here who would agree that they'll see this as advantageous, not a threat, because again, there are so many challenges with the number of patients available and the lack of access that's out there. Did that answer? Yes. Answer questions? Thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, so the, the vendor that we have selected, and I've worked with quite a, a number of them in my career, um, is Everside Health. They have about 400 health centers around the country. Again, it's very turnkey. They just actually were voted by um, CLASS, which is a rating agency, as the best uh, advanced or direct primary care operation for 2022. Um, and you know, basically, as I said before, this is really a, a turnkey solution. Our, our ultimate goal in working with ESMEC is to also um, work with some of the other schools and counties on the Eastern Shore where potentially we can have a number of these out there so that it will actually be accessible even if I'm commuting in from another county, for example. So if I live in Kent County and I'm coming here to work, I could use other facilities. So there's really a master plan here over time that we really think is going to be advantageous. 
And I've, I've been very fortunate. I've just put health centers into about three um, other school districts recently in the state of Pennsylvania. And the number one reason besides controlling medical costs was actually retention, um, because this becomes a great retention tool. If we're giving basically free access to this service um, and you're looking at other opportunities, it's hard to pass up the savings, the convenience, the access for me and my family for something like this. Uh, so a little more about um, this is, I know, a little bit of an eye chart, but it gives you a, a great feel for the scope of services. And this is, again, can be very advantageous to other costs that are being already assumed. So DOT exams for bus drivers, for example, they can do DOT exams. They can do firefighter exams, police exams. You know, there's very specialty type services that are out there that these health centers can start to assume, which are things that you may be already paying for um, or are paying for as a county. In addition, they see dependents um, two years old and up. Um, probably the most popular thing for the dependents are the um, much forgotten school physical and sports physical, yeah, meaning we, just, we remember the day before. I was just going to ask We remember that. the day before that, yeah. oh, so I need that. Right. And the model is really driven on a same day or next day availability. So the ability, again, to be able to get in, access quick care, and get services rendered is really a, a significant opportunity. I like to say, as you look at all these services here as a, as a self-insured employer, like you are, that's a variable expense. You don't know who's buying what until you get the bills in from your carrier. We have negotiated with Everside, uh, Everside a specific cost um, so that there's a flat, transparent cost to manage all of that. So now we're taking this variable and fixing it because this, no matter how many times somebody comes in, how many times they use it per month or what services, the cost will always stay the same month to month to month to the county and the schools. Hmm. So again, a really, I, I think, innovative way over time to start to control cost within the county and the schools uh, as utilization is increased. Uh, and listen, there's just lots of positives that come out of it, lots of positive experiences by the patients, what they value in it, um, better health outcomes. One of the reasons that we chose Everside is because they actually use a third-party actuarial firm, Milliman, which is a global firm, to actually validate all their outcomes. They're the only one that does that. Most of the others validate their outcomes internally. Uh, and we like the fact that they use a third party to ensure that all these numbers are every year. Um, they, they kick the tires, make sure they're valid and work. And I think the, the one that I like the most is that um, based on surveying all the patients or employees, that 76% um, really had a better or improved outlook on their employer for offering services like this. So again, as we're talking about recruiting and retention, uh, I think it's a very positive benefit, and most employees rank this as their top benefit within the organizations they work. Keep in mind also, although we're talking about controlling costs for the, for the county and the school, we are also reducing the out-of-pocket expenses of the individuals, so the co-pays. Um, we just put a health center in with Amic Farms in Herlock, if any of you all know Amic Farms. And you know they had one woman who once a month um, had to go drive to Easton to get allergy shots. 
and she had to go make a copay, have to go, had to drive there to all that. Now she does it in the health center, no copay, saves time, she gets it done at work. So those are the types of things that over time will really be seen as a really big benefit. So not only, again, out-of-pocket savings for the individuals, but also savings overall. Um, we took three years of claims data as Bolton, and we took it to uh, Everside, and we asked them, based on their about 700,000 lives that they managed, to do an ROI analysis for us based on their book of business. And basically, we got in writing from them a return on investment based on utilization patterns that they anticipate, again, through their book of business. Um, we also negotiated performance guarantees so that there is money at risk by Everside based on the utilization, the patient satisfaction, uh, clinical outcomes, and the return on investment. So there is a healthy five-year return on investment that has been um, presented which again, I say healthy because the numbers are good, but it's also conservative and it's based on their existing book of business. So you know, we believe that it was a very relevant and cohesive analysis that they did on the benefits. Um, what did they use as far as participants? So they use a percentage, they scale it. So they use um, participation rates that start as low as 50% and then they scale it over time. They, when we just, uh, I was involved in opening the Herlock um, facility for Amick Farms. It's been open six months and they're at 92% participation. Wow. Now, I want to be fair, they're more of a captured audience sure. right there. But I really think when we promote this the right way and we are really working with all the families to understand the value of this, um, that we'll see that utilization and that these numbers are, are realistic. Again, we've put performance guarantees into the contract to hold Everside accountable to that. Um, so feel very good about that. Um, coming to the conclusion here. Get this thing. Oh, there we oh, go. Back, back there. Is that the last one? Yep. yep. Um, so from a f uh, funding source standpoint, um, the, the schools very fortunately um, put in for a grant that was available through the Maryland State Department of Education and they received um, thumbs up on um, some significant funding to help get the health center up and running. Um, also through the uh, ESMEC plan that is in place, there are reserves. Um, so the dollars that we have identified to get this up and running and utilized um, will be paid for through, through the funding and the reserves. So there's, the dollars are there. Uh, I think the ESMEC um, has already um, signed a master agreement so that again, all the terms and conditions, the performance guarantees have already been negotiated. The advantage to this group here, because they're kind of the first one in in this um, consortium, is that if others join, there will be price decreases right. back as I kind of call them the anchor. Um, and that, so there's benefit that we have negotiated to the to this group as well. Uh, the last thing is, you know, the um, various legal counsel or solicitors have looked at the contracts. Um, they've made a, some uh, additions um, and uh, notes to the, to that, which have been taken back. Um, nothing obviously has been executed yet, but there um, everybody's in agreement in some of the changes. <coughs> Um, so that's been thoroughly vetted. And that, so the goal here is that um, if approved, that they'll start the process of identifying a space. That would be a collective effort 
um, be my so next question. And we're here with, um, within the county. The staff that is hired by Everside does not get hired until approved by both teams. So they get to be part of the interview process to make sure that the cultural fit is correct and everybody's kind of aligned. So the goal would be with approval that this opens sometime in the first quarter of 2023. It's, quick. it's good stuff. <laughs> Any questions? Things I didn't address. So. Got a motion? We do. I move that Everside Health Advanced Primary Care Health Center, vetted by ESMEC and in partnership with Queen Anne's County Public Schools, be approved to proceed for the future welfare of the employees and their families. Second. Second. Motion and a second. Any further discussion? It was a very thorough presentation, so I doubt there is any more discussion. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0 motion carries. Outstanding. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Excited to see how this works out. So, so, you know, perhaps maybe even a push at Mako for some of the Eastern Shore counties. There you go. You know, talk about a captured audience. So we're we have a, you guys obviously have a presence there. So we have a joint meeting between Mabe and Mako to have these discussions. There you go. So, there you go. You're invited if you'd like to come. Well over. done. <laughs> Thank you very much for your Thank time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Excellent. All right, commissioners, our next presenter is uh, Mr. Bruce Bariano. He's going to give us the 2022 legislative review. So he is here. And if you want to turn to uh, uh, item number four on page 16, also in tab number six. It's item four, page 16. Good evening. Good, evening. Good to have you back. Good evening, Mr. Chairman and members hey, of the uh, county commissioners. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, once again, let me thank you very much for the honor and privilege and enjoyment of representing Queen Anne's County um, uh, since the beginning and particularly this uh, last legislative session. Um, I would like to go over some things and please, uh, very happy to answer any questions you may have or any issues you may have. Um, as you know, this past legislative session was the last year of the four-year term of not only the governor but the legislators. The new legislature will come in the second Wednesday in January uh, of next year. Uh, there will be some significant changes as a result of uh, some key legislators not running for re-election, some delegates running for the Senate. Uh, redistricting has thrown some people together that uh, is uh, rather unusual. Uh, uh, three incumbents in a, in a two-member sub-district and things like that. So there are going to be a lot of changes, but that's... Uh, Part of the process, part of uh, I guess uh, the governmental. I'm uh, been watching it carefully. I'm very prepared for it. Uh, meeting with people, uh, participating, and and being involved. Uh, it's going to be the first time in my memory that you will have at the same time uh, a new governor, a new controller, uh, and a uh, uh, a new attorney general at the same time. I mean, we've obviously had that, but. Uh, so that, that's, that's something significant from a continuity standpoint. Uh, Derek Davis, who's the treasurer on the Board of Public Works, uh, I'm, I'm sure will be reelected to the state, uh, to that position and will continue. But uh, there's a lot of change coming and uh, I just bring that to your attention. It's not something uh, to be All concerned. the more reason to get out and vote. Yeah, yeah, 
Uh, I uh, look forward to seeing all of you in January. Uh, um, and uh, let, me, let me go through some things here. Um, I know you've been receiving uh, each week throughout the, uh, the legislative session the, uh, the sheet that I've been keeping of, mm -hmm. of various bills and everything. I'd like to run through some of them. I'll be happy to answer any questions. And I want to bring up a couple of items. Um, um, as you know, the, uh, the Ken Island drawbridge fishing prohibition bill passed. Uh, finally, I know that was in for a couple of, uh, of years uh, that, that, uh, that went through. Uh, the alcohol and beverage uh, uh, bills went through. Uh, finally got sun Sunday hunting. It's not as expensive as, as I think everyone wanted, but it, it is something. I mean, um, the chairman of the, of the Senate committee just had a whole bunch of counties uh, ganging up on him, which they should have because he just didn't like Sunday hunting and got something passed. And um, uh, so that I, I know was on, on your item list and, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm glad that happened. Uh, an expanded definition of agritourism, uh, that bill passed. Um, as well as the use of buildings uh, in the county uh, uh, for agritourism uh, that, uh, that, that passed as well. Um, let me talk about highway user uh, revenues. Uh, uh, there was a victory, but uh, in, my, my, in my feeling, it was um, uh, really very minimal. And I, you know, I sat in on the hearings. The hearings were very profound. Uh, you had all county executives and head of county commissioners and really everyone physically coming to Annapolis and testifying. I mean, uh, uh, MAKO and MML really put on a very significant, uh, compelling presentation. And um, I'm not just saying this to say this, but I'm very, not just perplexed, but uh, it, it just baffled. Um, you know, some of the legislators came out of county government or municipal government, and yet they're treating their, their, their brethren uh, very uh, inappropriately. You know, you all know better than I that this was supposed to be a temporary thing, and here, ten years later, uh, we're, we're still begging for some solution. Uh, the solution that that came up is not great. It's just not great. Um, uh, for example, for this FY23, which uh, you know will start July, uh, Queen Anne's County should get about the same that they've been getting the past several years, a million three uh, in highway revenue funds from the state. Without the bill having passed, uh, the county and some other counties would have dropped down to about 800,000 uh, a year. Uh, this bill bumps up the county share starting in FY24, not FY23, but FY24 the county will get about uh, 2.2 million a year, up from uh, FY uh, uh, 23 of, of a million three. So you you you'll be getting roughly an additional million dollars starting 24. Guaranteed. Yes. Because we heard this in five, five years. This is a five-year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One up. Um, yeah. But it only goes to FY 26. Right. FY 26, and then there's a cliff effect. In other words, if the legislature does nothing further, it'll drop down to approximately a million seven. Um, so uh, I'm really hopeful, and I'm sure you all feel this way yourselves, that once a new legislature comes in, 
we see who's where, you know, and what, what seats and positions and what have you. I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying anything that others haven't thought about, but I'm sure that uh, MAKO and MML really should start now, not wait till then. I would, I would start, I, I mean, my recommendation respectfully would be, uh, I, I would even start uh, in the beginning of the, of the first new session of the legislature, which I know people are getting settled in and what have you, but start the dialogue, start the pressure because, uh, uh, and, and you're going to have new people, really. You're going to have, you're gonna have uh, uh, different politics. You're going to have a different governor. You're going to have different controllers, I said. Um, and uh, uh, make sure this cliff never happens. And not that the cliff doesn't happen, but, but go back to where it was before. But so, th those are your numbers. Um, as I said, a million three, this FYI, uh, then to 2.2. But uh, but then the cliff uh, you know comes up. Uh, so, Bruce, to the broader problem. And excuse me. The broader problem, in my yeah. opinion. Oh, it, it the is. The reason there's this cliff is because, and we've had conversations at the Mako with the Senate President and the Speaker, is we're pushing by 2025 to have X number of electric vehicles on the road. Right now, our highway user revenues are pushed through by our registrations and everybody knows the gas tax. Right. Or less vehicles using gas, less taxes there are being collected, the less money there is in the pot for the highway user revenues. And asking the point blank question, how are you gonna backfill that money in the next four years if you're pushing away from the gas tax, basically, to more electric vehicles? And, and mileage they, of use. Yeah, but they don't, they don't have a, see, see, electric vehicles are built for short mileage situations. So your longer trips would be cut down, which is where you're using more of your gas. You know what I mean? So they have no solution, honestly. And I think that's why they're giving it the five-year plan, because they got to figure something out between now and then. But ultimately, you could use traveled miles, right? For electric, I mean, right. You could do that. Because but, they still use the roads. They still right. wear the roads down. Yeah, and they're yeah. actually heavier than an average car. So they actually do more damage to the road because of their weight. So Yeah, so, something, exactly. I, all your points, in my, in my view, were very, very well taken. And, uh, I mean, something needs to be done. Uh, what, what, what they could have done and should have done, and, and, and I think it's a point for consideration for MAKO and MML, is uh, start immediately with the new legislature studying this and finding other revenue sources, not only addressing the, the wear and tear of electric cars and how that's going to be added into, that is, those users, uh, those that are, you know, how they're, how they're paying for it, even though they're not, you know, I'm paying for it through the gas taxes, you mm -hmm. know, you all are, mm -hmm. but, uh, but that's number one, but also find other sources that are more dependable and, and, and predictable, uh, uh, and uh, I, th I think that that really needs to be done, and really starting now to well before the cliff, and, and really flush things out where people are and what needs to be done. But uh, uh, sadly, I think one of their ideas is toll roads everywhere. But I can only imagine uh, well, what that would look like. You know? I, I, <laughs> I don't know if financially that's really the answer, let alone politically, what have you. I will say this, and, and I know you all know it, but I, I just want to reiterate it. Uh, uh, and I worked closely with the MAKO and MML work, work to the bone on this thing last session. They really, really did. They were so frustrated and annoyed and, and, and what have you. And, uh, and, and, and notwithstanding that, I mean, even those points, uh, Commissioner, they, they, they still could have jacked up the numbers now 
much greater than they were. Well, they were. had it on the I Senate mean, side. It was the House side that got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Senate was, they were, yeah, the, the governor Senate, put it in the budget fully restored. Yes, he did. The Senate yeah. wanted to put it in, and the, but the House is the one that completely got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and once again, uh, that's another the dynamics that's been going on. The, uh, 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 the House has been really kind of dictating some major items uh, uh, over the Senate lately, uh, you know, in that regard. Um, um, so I, I mean, I, I, I will stay on that. I will, you know, continue uh, working closely, and I, I think it's something that I, I'm, I'm not going to forget it all. And I, I know you all will not, but we, we really need to continue that once we see the new legislature and and uh, and who's where and and, and what have you. Um, the uh, as I, as I said, the agritourism bills passed. Uh, the um, uh, and 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 also the. Um, uh, license uh, uh, beverage uh, bills uh, uh, passed as well. Um, I uh, met with uh, uh, your favorite uh, cabinet secretary, uh, Secretary Ports, this morning. I was at MML, and uh, he tells me to send regards to you. Uh, um, um, he had told me, and I think I indicated to your county administrator, uh, uh, he had told me a couple weeks ago as I was bugging him, he said, Bruce, relax. <laughs> And I know him, meaning it's going to be done. And as you know, the announcement was made. Uh, we're excited about it. Uh, um, uh, he says it'll 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 take maybe three to four years for the feds to come back with the study and what have you. Uh, that uh, we should remain actively participating and what have you. Um, uh, you know, in the, in that regard, and uh, um, I'm sure you'll. See him when he comes in on the consolidated uh, transportation uh, um, meeting, but um, that 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 was that was that was you know good that that, that happened, and he, he really appreciated all the efforts you made um, in getting the resolutions and the support and the letters that uh, you know it was very very helpful from the federal uh, standpoint. Um, I also uh, took time and uh, went up to, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing it corre correctly. Uh, the Whitstead Center, Whitsett Center in Kent County. Uh, the county administrator had brought to my attention uh, the situation, and so I went up there. I brought a client of mine from Anne Arundel County, uh, uh, who runs the Pascal, named after Senator Robert Pascal and former County Executive Pascal, Pascal uh, uh, Crisis Stabilization Center, and they're they're running a facility uh, on the. Anne Arundel County land uh, of Crownsville, which has been highly successful, and possibly they're looking into expanding. I know you all have, you know, an elected officials meeting only meeting coming up on that issue. Uh, I was asked not to be there by the uh, head of the center, which is fine. I, I didn't take any offense or anything of that nature, uh, but uh, I, I just, you know, want to tell you all that I'm 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 up to, to up to speed on it. I understand the critical nature that that place cannot close. I mean, not only for, for this county, but uh, for the others as well. I know my client uh, is very interested in what happened uh, just briefly without um, getting bogged down is uh, the county gave them a, a building uh, to lease for a dollar and they put in about six, uh, $700,000 of their own money into upgrade it to, uh, to code and retrofit it and, and they're operating it at no cost to Anne Arundel County. Uh, and um, 
they'd be very interested in, in the facility. But there are other options, you know, as well. But I uh, will continue to, to, to stay focused on it. I've had a lot of conversations with Senator Hershey about it and, uh, you know, and others. And, and I know it's, it's something very, very critical uh, that, that needs to be done. Um, um, Bappy, any, any questions that you have? Or I just got one, but so there was a what, what I would consider a companion bill to our uh, agritourism, us getting onto the state's agritourism that Senator Carosa had brought up. What, where did that ever wind up? Do you know? Which, um, it's it's Senate Bill uh, 538. Um, it was a land use agritourism bill. It, it was kind of a I would call it a companion bill to what we were doing in terms of defining what uh, buildings could be used for agritourism, how they would fall under local zoning and that kind of thing. Is that a, I, I, the uh, I 558 passed and... Uh, 538, 538. Because uh, it's only shown first reading on here. I didn't know whether... Because I thought it got further than that. I thought it at least got a hearing. Uh, just bear with me a second. Um, Companion is House Bill delegation, Eastern Shore delegation supported it because the language was beneficial to us and helped define some of the stuff that we have issues with here. No, I do not see that. Uh, um, uh, no, I don't. I don't. Well, in your, in your travels or whatever, if you get a chance yeah, to talk I will. to the senator I will. and find out. I will. She's going to bring it back again, and if there's anything we can do to help support it to get it through to... Uh, I think, and what I'll do is I'll compare them. I think... With some of the other bills passing that expanded the definition of agriculture. Well, that's just it, what the definitions were. That's, that's what I'm saying. So maybe they incorporated an amendment in the other one. I didn't yeah, see or, anything or in there. Since that was passing and it was statewide, uh, the others did not go. I'll, I'll get back to yeah, you uh, on that. Uh, so there, there was an expanded definition right. and also uh, separately Uses built buildings, buildings that can be used right. and, and, you know, and, st and stuff like that right. uh, okay. uh, uh, from, from that standpoint. But I think hers had something to do with events. It had events in there as well. Like yes, it yeah. Was defining events. That yeah. was what I was kind of interested in if they brought that into it. Um, in, in defining certain, uh, uh, certain events. Yeah, that could okay. be used on... You know, like I do that. Like that or? No, it was more specific, like um, it, 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 uh, corn mazes, yeah. things like that, where you could set things up without specific permits for it, where now you've got to get event permits, you've got to get basically go through planning and zoning to show all that stuff. They just said if it's, you know, if it's on the ag land and it fits on the agritourism heading, that, and you know, you're doing it year over year, you don't have to keep going back. And I will do that and get back to you, uh, Commissioner. Um, l lastly, um, I just got an email this morning. I don't know if you want to bring it up on uh, um, uh, Tennessee Wine and Spirits case by the Supreme Court, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I was down down at, at MML, so I haven't had a chance to read anything. But uh, you know, but I, but I have the emails here. I, I didn't know if you want to bring it up. Apparently, one of the the emails indicates that it's been discussed by uh, by the commissioners previously. And uh, is there Something you would like me to do on back this? to that case law that we brought up before right. about well, the uh, residency, residency requirement, whether or not it was legal based on the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, and I think two the years liquor ago. board has had a recent conversation about it again. I mean, I think we had a conversation about it two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, before we put the first bill in. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want me to follow up on or, or, or do on that? Follow up uh, at this point. No. no. I believe no. you know Mr. Ransom, sir. Gene Ransom, I've heard of him. Uh, I have. You might uh, consult with Does him. he live in Queen Anne's County? He used to. Used to. Uh, 
Well, no, I, I, I do know the chairman of your liquor board. He's a very fine individual, impeccable qualifications, and uh, uh, but I'll be happy to help if, if you'd like me to. But again, thank you very much. I know you, you have other things on your agenda and any other questions. And, uh, any other I questions? Will, I, I will see you in Mako. Mm -hmm. yep. And very respectfully, I ask you each to put on your calendar the 28th of September uh, for the Taurus Crab Feast in Crisfield. Uh, would love to have you there. I'd be very honored to have you there. Gonna be, it's going to be the governor's last uh, as governor. And uh, it's going to be after the primary. And um, it's going to be a lot of politics. To the extent you enjoy that stuff. Thank you Bruce. all very much. Appreciate Bruce. it. Have a good evening. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Bruce. All right. All right, commissioners, the next item on our agenda is the uh, adoption of the FY 2023 budget. And that is also in tab number six, item <coughs> five. We have resolution 2208. It's uh, tab six, item five, page 23 through 59. This is our FY23 operating and capital budget. And this is, is that here? Presentations, I think. And we have Nicole Hepfer here. She can you want to make questions about any adjustments or changes, but or we can make a motion if you to want. To adopt uh, resolution 22-08. Second. <clears throat> Got some discussion? You just want to go through any changes that uh, since the budget hearings that have uh, come about? I mean. um, sure. I can go through the changes since the budget hearings and the proposed budget. Um, do you want me to start with the revenue and the property tax? Okay. So the first change that we have um, on the revenue budget, we really only have two changes. The first is the property tax um, revenue amount was decreased by 1.5 million as a result of a change in the tax rate. Do you want me to go through? The difference, yeah. Okay. So the change in the tax rate of um, 0.8471 decreased to 0.8300 um, per $100 of assessed value for all properties in Queen Anne's County. And that change was funded by including fund balance of 1.5 million in the budget. Um, that kept the total budget at the same 171.4 million that we presented throughout all of the budget hearings and the proposed budget. Um, and then when we go through the expenditures, we have a few changes. Um, nothing was really material. There were some changes in expenses as the departments had more information. Um, for example, planning and zoning had an increase due to a change in the boards and commissioner stipends. Um, there was a small decrease in recreation um, just to, due to a calculation in the part-time to full-time position. The change in the golf course transfer, um, which resulted from the calculation in the part-time um, staffing cost. And then on the second page of the general fund expenditure changes, there was um, a few changes in fire protection, the Chesapeake College, which were minimal, 
Board of Elections, and then we decreased the library budget for the portion of the enhancement that related to Sudlersville, um, which was added in under um, intergovernmental, <coughs> which was a $65,000. So that changed uh, transfer to capital, changed by a minimal amount, like I think 2300 and all of those changes were balanced um, through contingency. So again, the budget remained the same at 171.4 million, um, which was what was presented to the total budget amount in the budget hearings. Right. Any other discussion? Hearing none. We have a motion to adopt the FY 2023 operating capital budget has been seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. So Fonzie. thank you very thank you, much Nicole. for You're all your welcome. work. Thank you. thank you. Please pass that on and our gratitude to your staff and everybody that helped us get to where we are today. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Right, great. Thanks, Nicole. All right. I believe that was our last uh, presentation this evening, commissioners. So next up, I believe we have the Department of Public Works. So let's see Mr. Quimby, our director back there, and Shane Moore, the chief roads engineer. So I think first we have um, an item for the Sanitary Commission. So if you want to convene as the Sanitary Commission. Make a motion we convene as the Sanitary Commission. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Present here. Okay. Uh, turn to tab number two. Item one, we have the South Kent Island Sanitary Project uh, Phase 4. Believe it or not, Phase 4 Engineering <laughs> Bid uh, number one. <laughs> I move to conditionally award the bid in the amount of $79,460 for the design of the Ski Phase 4 Community Means to Century Engineering Incorporated, with condition being the approved. Approval by MDE of their efforts to satisfy the DBE goal and authorize the Director of Public Works to execute design contract once MDE approves said effort. Second. All right, got a motion and a second. Any discussion on this one? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Aye, zero. Motion carries. Thank you. All right, commissioners, uh, the next item we have uh, for Public Works is under solid waste. Uh, we have the systematic replacement of fleet equipment. This is for um, trash compactors, 38-yard uh, self-contained compactors. Uh, we have a pre-established contract here for $63,271.86. I move to purchase two model 265 XP-38-yard contained compactor from Mid-Atlantic of Eastern Maryland in the amount of $63,271.86 via the Sourcewell pre-established contract number 041217-WQI. Second. All right, motion is and a second. Any discussion on that one? Where are we at on the replacements on that? I mean, in terms of the rotation, how many years do we are we set up for those right now? To we got 14 total in our inventory. Um, we typically they can they have a 10-year lifespan. We don't we don't necessarily get that out of them. Um, so uh, in addition to purchasing this um, these two, I would say the the oldest is 2014 is the oldest one we have right now. But we purchased most of those a few years ago. We haven't bought any in a couple of years. Yeah. But all in all, we're in good shape age-wise. Oh, no, we're in good shape. Okay. Yes. Good. 
Any other questions? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, 5-0, motion carries. Okay, the next item is a replacement of fleet equipment for the solid waste division. Again, this is for a new roll-off truck, uh, Peterbilt model 567 with a hoist uh, in the amount of $256,183, also off a pre-established government contract. I move. Oh, do. Go ahead. Sure. Okay. I move to purchase one Peterbilt model 567 with Galbraith tandem axle roll-off hoist from Mid-Atlantic of Eastern Maryland in the amount of $256,183 via the Sourcewell pre-established contract number 0041217-WQI. Second. Motion and second. Any discussion on this one? What year is the one we're replacing? We have four in our fleet, uh, 2000, two 2007s, a 2015, and a 2016, both, um, all four, are well over 250,000 miles, up to 400,000 miles. So the oldest model will be replaced. All right. Any other questions? So you said you were in the notes, you were keeping the other ones on the road still for? We're going to hold on to them. Yeah. Um, with what we're seeing now, with, with the way the market is, parts availability yeah. and get things repaired. Um, yeah. The roads division, for instance, had a, a tractor trailer that was down for months. We, uh, we had it. Uh, towed to a facility that said they could fix it a dealership and they eventually said come get it we cannot fix it and we had to basically piece it out ourselves oh. to get it fixed so with those kind of wait times we're going to hold on to everything we have until the market changes a little bit and parts are more available we can get things repaired and then we'll start letting the old stuff go mm. let's see spring yeah. of 23 <laughs> it's coming supply chain issues are not getting any better no, they're, they're actually worse than they were a year ago and they're opinion all those in favor say aye aye, aye. aye. any opposed five zero that motion carries systematic replacement all right roads thank you commissioners uh okay so we have uh i guess a couple items here for the roads board make a motion that we convene is the roads board second all in favor aye. 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 Roads. all right first up is a uh, continuing uh with the road improvement projects down in Kent Island Estates. This is a request for a public hearing for Virginia Road. <laughs> Virginia Road. Move to schedule a proposed Virginia Road improvement project public hearing at the Kent Island Estates Community Hall. And I'm pushing for July 5th, if at all possible. What date? The 6th. I think we had, did you have some other dates that potentially on the schedule for the, for the 6th and the 13th I'm rather 13th staff cannot do the 13th unfortunately but the 6th or any other Wednesday in July would work for the Ken Island Road Association for me July 6th yeah okay. all right so I'll add the date to the motion are there any questions with uh, Virginia Road request um, it was a very good information meeting. replacement of their roads. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very good information meeting, uh, one of the most interactive we've had. A lot of good questions. Uh, the homeowners really did their homework. Um, we had a total of eight attend the meeting out of 19. Um, um, eight, all eight were in favor of the project that attended. We did have another one in favor by email, and then we had one send in a letter. How many homes on Virginia? 19. Okay. 19. Um, the, the sentiment from the residents there, they've been now they've been paying for ski for about a year. 
they're paying quarterly payments of several hundred dollars and they feel that the the way the project was presented being a 10-year assessment term was a little expensive for them um, they came up with the idea of a $500 limit that's what they were hoping for so they've asked to go to a 20-year term yeah. which we certainly are, are fine with we've uh, checked with finance and checked with Pat Thompson um, and in this memo is a scheduled breakdown of costs for you to review um, a 20-year term would uh, lower the payment down to $504.77 estimated um, and would cost the typical property owner about a thousand more dollars over 20 years but they could always pay it off early if they wish the deal is that we have to advertise it as a 20-year term in the paper and in the certified letter if that's the way we're going to move forward so we certainly feel 20 year is fair commissioner so agree I should have done it on the other one honestly because we had a discussion we yeah well you still can yeah we can still so, and that's right? fine I, I mean I'd like to revisit that if we could Yes, on, we, on we the can. Last one we did. We can do year that. On that because that was okay. one of the things they brought up that if we could change, we. Okay. And what we're going to see as you this, in case you haven't noticed, as we as we do, this is our third one we're working on. Right. Each one gets a little more expensive. It's getting a little more complex, and they're going to keep going that way. So the twenty-year term that's, will definitely. And why help is that? that? Uh, we worked with the Ken on the Roads Association, uh, picking the easier, smaller ones to get going. It's a little cheaper to do those. Okay. And as we get into the more complex, well, the price will done. go up. Yeah. And there's some projects that kind of are right, over our heads. Big yeah. Kind of yeah. Yep. Puts them all together is the big one. Okay. Yeah. Alan, do we ever forward buy ingredients like asphalt where you think that oil price might be? I don't think we have any place to store it. What's there? Store it. Where would we where would we store it? That's that's the issue. For us. And it can be dangerous to store. We had tire pots blow up before in, in their yard, so it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. Any other questions? All right. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And the last item is item number five on page 20. This is the cooperative agreement between uh, the Department of Agriculture and the county that provides uh, cooperation in the control and eradication of noxious weeds. <laughs> the weed control. I move to approve the 2022 cooperative agreement between the Maryland Department of Agriculture, MDA, and the county for the control and eradication of noxious weeds. Second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? So, um, we, did we bid this out for this year? Is that what um, uh, Economy Tree did? Or is that something different? That's got that's, 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 that's different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fragmites. The Fragmites. Fragmites. Yeah. Okay. This is for the pr primarily on farmland and road rights of ways, roadsides. We control it to okay. know, for, for uh, Johnson grass, and Johnson grass like and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. Johnson <clears throat> grass. I don't have any more questions. All right, all those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0, the motion carries. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. All right. All right, commissioners, we can move into our other action items. If you want to turn back to tab number three, I think we have uh, 18 items here. Yes. Do I have what? In the uh, first item, tab three. Item one, page one, is the Proclamation 2237, Pillar of the Month, Fairness. 
Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> you said, I think you said Ferris. I said we were talking Ferris. about Ferris, Ferris earlier. Where's Bueller? Fairness. 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 So I have the privilege uh, of reading the um, Characters Count Proclamation for the month of June, which is Fairness. I, I, I feel like I am treated fairly by my fellow commissioners. Uh, good use of the word. Yeah? That's good. I like it. On like <laughs> a serious note, whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a Characters Counts community, and all citizens have been called upon to embrace the six pillars of character and incorporate and model them in their daily activities. And whereas the Character Counts Pillar of the Month is fairness during the month of June, we celebrate fairness to all. And whereas Queen Anne's County will be the stewards of the communities and find ways to treat all people fairly. Whereas this means to be fair and just in dealing with everyone. <coughs> whereas Queen Anne's County will make decisions without playing favorites, doesn't take advantage of others and have fair motives to continue working for a more promising, peaceful, and hopeful future for all our citizens in our community. Whereas Queen Anne's County is strengthened and enriched by citizens of every race, religion, color, and creed, and does not blame others carelessly or unjustly. Whereas Queen Anne's County has made diversity, equity, and inclusion a priority, and the support that continued to work to raise awareness and promote uh, inclusive communities. Whereas this month, as we celebrate Pride Month and Juneteenth, may all citizens remember to celebrate the freedom to be themselves in the land of the free. Now, therefore, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners do hereby proclaim June is the month of fairness in Queen Anne's County. Um, Queen Anne's County makes this proclamation to celebrate fa fairness in all communities and as affirmation of the county to protect and serve everyone who resides in it works or visits Queen Anne's County. This proclamation was written by Joan Brooks, Recreation Manager at Queen Anne's County Parks and Recreation. Thank you, Joan. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, thank you, Commissioner Dimino. All right, item two on pages two and three is a, um, a letter from Stephanie Jones uh, asking for an extension request uh, for the processing of the five citizen-sponsored text amendments that we received this year. This is as a result of the uh, delay in the adoption of the comprehensive plan, plus there's one other uh, item on tonight's agenda later that's coming up for a vote for uh, that, that would have an um, apply to potentially the um, one of these amendments for uh, solar. All righty. Uh, <laughs> pour, pour yourself a cold one. I move to grant a review extension in accordance with 18-1-220C1 for citizen sponsor text amendments, applications number 22-02, number 22-03, number 22-05, and number 22-07, which were conveyed to the Planning Commission by the County Commissioners at its April 12, 2022 meeting. I cite the delay in, the re in this review to be caused by the comprehensive plan adoption process. I further move to grant a review extension in accordance with 18-1-220C1 for citizen-sponsored text amendments application 22-06, which also was conveyed to the Planning Commission by the County Commissioners at its April 12, 2022 meeting. I cite the delay in this review to be caused by the pending decision to be made for citizen-sponsored text amendment 21-04. Second. 
Thank you. I think it's a, a big C. You didn't specify, so you might need to. Big versus little? Yeah, you might need to reread that again. No. <laughs> Give you a big now. C. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got a motion, long motion, and a second. Any discussion? Hey, Jim Farrell. Going to read it back first. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. So, so extending it, I guess it's too late. We voted, but uh, mm -hmm. extending it till the cows come home. <laughs> extending it till when? Well, we got a, possibly next meeting. Okay. Possibly the one after that. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a 90 well, day timeout period. All, it's it, it, right. it shouldn't be. Stephanie's here. I don't think it's going to take a whole lot longer. Okay. We just didn't want to miss the 90 day turnaround period to to meet that objective as specified in the code. So I would suspect it'll be. July or early? It'll be in July sometime, July or early August at the latest. Just All right. need a few more weeks I mean, because to, obviously to get that done. Pushing this out, there's some folks that, that have these citizen sponsor texts and then introduced and would we just keep delaying it that there's a, an end result for their request and or we just keep putting that off. So yeah. it was a fair question to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I anticipate <laughs> we'll have it back in, in July or early August at the latest. Okay, thank right. you. All right. Okay. All right, commissioners, uh, item number three on page four is uh, a request from the Kenton Harris Development Foundation for a draw of $20,000 from their 570 fund to cover uh, ongoing expenses and upfront costs for grants. And there's a budget amendment for this later in the program as well. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I make a motion that we meet uh, uh, their the Kent Narrows Development Foundations. Uh, I move to approve the request of twenty thousand uh, dollars from the five seventy fund for the Kent Narrows Development Foundation. Second. <sighs> Got a motion and second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Five zero. Motion carries. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, item number four on. Pages five through eight is a, an amendment to our education assistance policy. And this is uh, in conjunction with the uh, fiscal 2023 20, budget. And on behalf of the Employee Communication and Morale Committee, uh, we included uh, funding in here to increase uh, the funding for undergraduate and trade schools from 3,500 to 4,500 a year for our, our workers and from 4,500 to 5,500 for graduate and doctorate degrees. So we've included this into the budget and we would recommend um, making this adjustment to the policy for those programs. I move that the education assistance policy be adopted as presented to be effective July 1, 2022. Second. We've got a motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, Commissioners. Item five on page pages nine through fifty-one is uh, MTA FY22 ARPA operating and capital grants, and um, this documents and informs MTA that we accept uh, additional federal and state funding to support transit services for County Ride, uh, two hundred thirty-seven thousand for operating and salaries, and six hundred and forty nine thousand for buses and shop equipment mm. uh, and this is in addition to the ARPA money we received um, for general county government wow. i move to hereby accept the maryland department of transportation maryland transit administration 
M.MTA, ARPA Operating and Capital Grants Agreement packet to certify that the Queen Anne's County Department of Community Services Area Agency on, agency on Aging will operate the public transit system and accept the awards as offered by the State of Maryland Department of Transportation. Second. Motion is second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right, 5-0. Motion carries. Thank you, Commissioners. Item six on pages 52 through 67 is the uh, MOU between, uh, actually it's three, three parties, two MOUs, one with MDTA and one with Corrigan Sports. And this is for the uh, 2022 Bay Bridge Run. Already. And uh, so we're all set with this. This took a little longer than we had anticipated because we were trying to negotiate a longer term with MDTA, but they only do one year deals now. So um, that's what took a little longer, that process, but it's, it's ready to go. And Corrigan does reimburse us for all of our services that we provide from EMS and uh, all the other agencies that interact there. So we're ready to go and they're selling tickets already. I move that the county approves and executes the MOU between MDTA and the county and executes the MOU between county and Corrigan Sports. Second. Motion second. In discussion? Yes. So. Does anybody have any idea how much money these guys make at this thing and should they be I have no understanding of whether this is an enormously lucrative deal or a scrape even or well I know that I mean they wouldn't put it on year after year if they weren't making a little I bit of money your point, but, I'm, I, but well I mean the first years before they were they were putting 21,000 I think the most was 20 just short of 22,000 runners, yeah. runners. They only did ten thousand last year, so I don't know that it's a. Well, I think that was I think that was by design because it was the first year the Corrigan took over the race from, from um, the the previous company Sparrow that owned it. Yeah. So I, I think they probably scaled back a little bit deliberately, and I imagine they're probably going to uh, allow more runners uh, this time. Well, I think the date conflicted with another big uh, marathon on the coast as well, if I'm not mistaken. Some other big run on the coast. It could have, yeah. So, yeah, I have, as you used to say, it's a fair question, sir. Sure. Um, that sure. Whether it's profitable enough for us to try to stick our beak into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, do, he wants to squeeze the lemon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do, I mean, do our local businesses do well? I mean, is it is it an entertainment thing for our citizens? I've talked to. A I mean, I think it's. I know the restaurants they're, do well for sure. They're, they're, pretty neutral about it. They don't make a lot of money or lose any. No, it also brings Queen Anne's County to the forefront for a day. So that's, uh, yeah. you know, agritourism or tourism in general kind of tourism. likes the whole idea. The hotels do pretty well. So, that's kind of the shoulder season for the hotel industry. So I think the restaurants do yeah. pretty well. And I know the volunteer fire companies, you know, they'd yeah. get uh, some funding out of it because they run the, uh, you know, the food vendors and mm -hmm. the concessions down there. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a well-run event. I think Corrigan's done a great job, and they've taken a real personal interest in, yeah. in doing a good job. So, yeah. All right. Running. Any other questions? Running. Yes, I will be. I'll be running. You should vote on it. <laughs> All those in vote. favor? <laughs> Aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right. 5-0. Motion carries. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. <laughs> Item number seven on pages 68 through 73 is the FY23 MAKO budget and dues assessment. And uh, happy to say that the, the uh, dues have been, are continued to be frozen since FY10. Mm -hmm. Really? 
I move to approve payment of FY 2023 dues to Maryland Association of Counties in the amount of $15,113. Second. Discussion. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Of course not. It's a great deal. It's a great it's motion a great carries. Yes. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Now for the good stuff. Yes. We have item number eight on pages 74 through 76. This is for the um, acquisition of the Turf Tech GPS sports track line marking painter for our parks department. And this is a, a sole, source, sole source procurement for a, a um, GPS line marking painter for the fields. So. I move to authorize Department of Parks and Recreation purchase a, what is that word, <laughs> sir? A trackology turf tech GPS sports track GPS line marking ride ride on painter, including Kubota RTV 520 from Lawn and Golf Supply Company in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, for $61,940. Funding to come from the Department of Parks and Recreation QAC tournament account. Second. Steve, could you come up? <laughs> you know, you came all this way. It's only fair. At DPW, we call that a paint truck, you know? What is the difference between that guy that's driving down the road spraying everything? Ask him about the robot. Go ahead. Ours is straight. Okay. Ours is straight. Right. Touche. The great thing about this, which you see on the memo, is just the amount of money that we're going to save in the time. No, I, this is a wonderful machine. It, it is yeah. great, and you know, not only are we going to save time and save money, we're going to reduce the number of staff that actually paint for right. it so we can reduce it down to one or two people as opposed to you know, six to eight folks. I, I can remember when we had grass football fields at the high school and, and going out there with five or six people and moving the big templates and spray painting it and shaking the paint. And clean. I mean, it was a monumental task. So this is literally a robot that... Sure. Based on both. GPS, both. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so so what happens? Loaded into it, it'll actually draw a, a, a soccer field or a lacrosse field, or right. You'll have all your your field dimensions set into basically an iPad that sits right on top of the um, the steering wheel or steering wheel, um, and you'll already have it pre-programmed for where the fields will go. And you drive to that first stop, and the light will come on saying you're ready to go, and it'll drop paint. And it drives it automatically. So it tells you when to drop. It drops the paint. It drops the paint. It does you. everything for you. You just drive. So you don't even have to. You don't have to steer. You're just Jim. You could do that. There. Phil, <laughs> kid, land down. It rolls right up and over and puts a line across him and keeps on getting it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have a paint smart right across. So where are we going to test this? We've we already tested. We actually had the company come out. Um, they're, they're made out in Iowa. You, sell, sell you know, John. Jim's out. got a big lawn. We could test. We could test it in his back lawn. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the great things about this is because it's GPS located, it's within about three centimeters of that. I mean, it's, it's so accurate. So all your fields are set up for fall and winter. All you have to do is just go to it, hit it, and it will go ahead and take care of it. Um, it'll, you know, save us a tremendous, not only amount of time, but also paint because you're getting a better quality spray on there as well. So, so question. Did we historically, was it always painted or were we liming, which, which was? Um, liming is more for the, for the baseball field, for the, um, for, right. for the box and the and, first and base and third base line. this only this is paint. paint? This is paint, correct. And is that more long lasting or? Yes. Right. Um, so it, you know. Do it on grass, not dirt. 
You can do it on either. You could do it on either. You could do it on any. You could do it on a parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to disappear. It's going to go yeah. quicker. So it's and it's essentially the same technology that a farmer uses. It's it's that accurate. So you can add a seeder, you can add an aerator, and you can get a better quality of, of aeration and especially seeding and fertilizing because once you have a wide open area, you know it's hard to tell if you've gone in a straight line. And because this is GPS located, you're going to have a be, a much better quality spread of, of those materials. So we'll get a great return on, on that as well. So it's bringing us up to the, to the future. I feel like we're going to have a video with Bruce interviewing this robotic line oh, yeah. painter yeah. when he gets here. Start getting your questions <laughs> together now, Bruce. <laughs> What's your favorite cookie, line painting robot? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any more discussion on uh, oh. Mr. Painter 3000, whatever it's called here? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay. And, and how long do you, I mean, how long will this thing it'll just, it'll run forever? Is there a maintenance contract? There's all that. There is a um, uh, service a service fee for the connectivity, uh -huh. um, internet connectivity. It's $1,900 a year. The first year is free. And then, you know, for $1,900, that's, that's money well spent. Gotcha. Cool. So just, just for curiosity, painting, let's say a football field or something, how much paint does it take? No. Uh, um, gosh. Well, it should take less with this, it, it with will this take, new guy. It will take less. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the savings that we'll have is because we're taking less and the cost of paint is going up um, dramatically as well. Um, I don't know offhand the amount, um, but, you know, we go through a lot of paint. We're looking to reduce that, that cost as well this year. I hope you come prepared next time. <laughs> I'll try to. <laughs> as long as you say yes, it's a good thing. <laughs> See, he's not being fair. All right. Thank you, Director Chamley. <laughs> All right. Our next item, number nine on pages 77 through 88, is a uh, minor subdivision, some legal documents to amend a perpetual uh, protective agreement for forest conservation. And this is the applicant, uh, the Butler's are simply reconfiguring um, 2.85 acres of protected forest areas on two lots, meets all county code requirements for uh, protection in the critical area. I move to sign the Perpetual Protective Agreement Amended Deed of Forest Conservation Easement. Second. Okay, motion to second in discussion. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? By zero, motion carries. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number 10 on pages 89 through 105. This is the transfer agreement and transfer and participation agreement with the Maryland State Retirement Agency to move forward with the LEOPS um, retirement system for eligible employees of the Department of Emergency Services. And this is the next step in the process to transfer um, that over to the LEOPS systems for those for those individuals. And uh, the attorney has reviewed this and uh, for legal sufficiency, county attorney. I move the transfer and participation agreement for eligible employees of the Department of Emergency Services from the employee pension system to the law enforcement officer's pension system be executed as written. Second. Motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? By zero motion carries. Right, Budget amendments. Budget amendments are next. That's right. We have several of these. 
the first one is budget amendment CC 35 and this establishes um, grant revenue and corresponding expenditures for the crisis response and intervention programs it's a grant that the sheriff's office was awarded um, this past year motion to uh, pass CC 35 okay. motion to second any discussion all those in favor aye, aye. aye. opposed Five zero motion carries. Okay. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, next is uh, item 12 on page 107, budget amendment CC 36. This amendment uh, increases budget authority uh, in the amount of $161,004 in athletic field work for ball field fencing and fabric. And that was a project that was previously approved by the commissioners. This is for using POS grant funding. I move to approve budget amendment CC 36. Second. Motion second, any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0, motion carries. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, budget amendment CC 37 on page 108, and this uh, amendment recognizes additional actual revenue earned in excess of the budgeted revenue in our tournament and park rents account. And this revenue will be used to fund necessary repairs and buy the field painter that we just purchased, the field painter at $61,940. I move to approve budget amendment CC-37. Second. second. A motion and uh, a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? <clears throat> okay, five zero. that motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, item 14 on page 109 is budget amendment CC-39. Uh, this budget amendment actually removes the budgeted POS funding from the Davidson Park uh, project and a little bit of money, $4,000 from preventative park maintenance, 119919 $119, from Davidson Park and 4000 from preventative park maintenance. Motion to approve CC39. Okay. Got a motion to second. Any discussion? We could just keep pulling money from Davidson Farm Park, don't we? It's almost empty. Yeah, Director Chanley's here. I know he's been working really hard with his capital budgeting and moving some funds around to cover all the expenses. So if you have any questions about that, I know Davidson isn't, isn't moving forward. So we wanted to, the next amendment, put some of that money back into the Ranger Station and mm -hmm. other projects, trail development that we want to proceed with uh, in, uh, currently. You want to come up, Steve? Yeah, come on up, Steve. One thing that I need to clarify is, is we had to remove um, that money from Davidson, the POS money. Mm -hmm. uh, POS has a basically a five-year clause mm -hmm. that you're supposed to and spend we've been the money. On it, it's right? been sitting on now probably for almost eight years. Yeah. Okay. So they had knocked on the door and said, you need to either, you know, use it start, use it. You, yeah, use Hooper, it or lose get off it. the pot. <laughs> so we just took it from Davidson and put it into Terrapin um, Ranger Station and Restroom to help fund that program as well. Yeah. Are good. So to that end, I will motion to approve CC40, which just does everything Steve just right. said. <laughs> That's right. See it up there? Yeah, we just we just did it, right? Do right. we do we there, right? we didn't vote on CC? We did 39. 39. Yeah, we did vote. We, we need to vote. We voted on 39. Yeah, 39. 40. 40. Right, 40 is putting the money back in the place. I'll second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right. We want to see. All right, CC40. CC. No, we just 41. did 41. 41. Just he just did 40. 40. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. He okay. skipped over your part of it and just went straight to the motion. I got you. All right. Steve did the whole explanation. Well, Steve just did the whole thing. Another one. You say Ranger Station, <laughs> he gets excited. And, you know, just I know. 
Yogi Bear. <laughs> All right, uh, budget amendment CC41 is for the Cross County Connector Trail, and this is to sort of, this is the project closeout. This was federal money that we didn't use for that project of 1.25 million. So that, it, you know, we're just taking that off the books. We never received the revenue. We never used the money because it was, the budget was, I don't know, six million and we billed it for four. Motion to approve CC41. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Let me ask you a question because almost every two commissioner session, somebody comes in and says, when are the South Island Trail and the Connect Cross Island Trail going to be hooked together? What is the future story of that? We're still moving forward. We're in the process of uh, developing plans right now from uh, Davidson Road up through Mowbray to collect or to connect up to um, Ellendale. Is that the Bay Cove. The, the Bay Cove. Bay Cove. Yeah, Bay Cove. To there, and that will be a nice long stretch. You know, the, the trouble part is crossing over from one side of the road to the other, and then also crossing over Route Eight. Right. If, if we want to continue to cross over, um, yeah. Well, cross we do it pretty good. 50. We do it pretty good coming off of the high school to Terrapin. Yeah, and it, I mean that's Route Eight, kind of. And there's there's options that um, we worked with um, uh, Steve Cahoon and his group about you know where to cross over fifty. Right. Yeah. Because people. Kimley Kimley Horn came together with with four options um, that are all you know they're all viable. They all have their good points and bad points. Um, but again, you know, that's a big, big task right there to cross over. But, you know, when you, when you cross over 50, you know, I think part of the plan is, you know, do you want the trail to be more of a, uh, a user experience or do you want it to be connectivity where I can connect neighborhoods to schools and to libraries and to stores, or do I just want to continue and have a nice leisurely ride or run? Um, and that's the, you know, that's the choice that you, you have to make and you have, you know, your two extreme options give you give you those two things and then you got two options in the middle um, and we all have our opinion for what we think is that's right best. we all have our opinions <laughs> and I don't think I've ever seen a school-aged child on any of those trails so that's just my opinion I was told years ago that just crossing over eight would be a million dollar deal do you have any sense of the funding that's needed to do this and you mean a bridge over 50 a yeah. bridge no 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 over eight. Oh, eight. yeah eight well, that's what I was talking about. That's what I was referencing when I said, well, we already, do it. Though, yeah. we already do it at the high school. Yeah, crossing a, over there, that, that's, that's not great cross, so that's not. That's, that's not a, a problem. The, the difficult part is, you know, do we want to continue up? I should, should have said continue up Route 8 and cross over 50 that, that, uh, at the bridge cool. there. That's, you know, to that's me, that a is a, uh, that's a very dangerous combination. That's like there. a $2 million deal it's more than just that. to do that. Fifteen. Yeah. And we, we submitted for a, uh, a federal earmark through Senator Cardin's office. They yep. were very excited about it. We, we put it in, but we, it's, it's closer to $15 million for the bridge over U.S. Oh, 5301 yeah. to, to connect the south to the north and then through, uh, down through where the, the, tar the Target shopping center is back down to uh, Mowbray Park. Right. So it's, it's pretty big What about the crossover of eight? Yeah. How much does the 304 overpass cost? 60 or 46 60 60 no yeah 60 no we looked at uh, 304 and 301 it was every bit of 60 million yeah, it was it was it was yeah no <laughs> we're, we're going to research that okay. i'm telling you right now no you think it was less or more less no yeah. it was 60. no that's all right we'll leave it alone leave it alone 
Well, what's this? This is for oh, regardless, another, regardless, this is for another day. Right? Well, yeah. regardless, I think it, again we got to look to the future, and I don't know that putting just a lonely old bridge across the connected trails right now is such a good idea. If all these other studies going to be done, and what we're going to do with the corridor? I mean, it, it, you might tear it back down again. It's just it's one of them things that we got three. We just heard we're going to have three <laughs> to four years. Maybe we could do a ferry. <laughs> bicycle likes ferry. Yeah, bicycle ferry. Yeah. I, you know what I think with with any changes that I mean with with all the improvements that they're making right there at at you know where where Libby's is where the where the Bay Bridge run comes off of the bridge and and makes that right hand turn and goes through the gate I mean whatever they've done I think they've already I'm guessing that the improvements that they've made right there at that spot with the with the gates and everything that's all they're going to do there I don't think if we put that bridge across from the north part to the southern part of, of Route 50, that any corridor studies or, or any new bridge is going to require that that be taken down. Well, first off, it, it would have to be an SHA's right away, not MDTA's. That's first, because when we, we explored this mm -hmm. earlier, uh, they had a place where they would allow them to put it and build it. We got, we got to remember the high tension power lines are there too. Mm -hmm. So it had to go between there and MDTA spot, and there was a spot and it would land and terrapin on one side and mm -hmm. between uh, mm -hmm. you know the end right there and away you'd go. But then you have the problem of crossing Route 8. So that's another issue. You, so. al you also have to take into consideration ADA because it, right. the bridge is going to be so high. Right. In order to meet that, you're going to have either exactly. a ton of switchbacks or you're going to have a downhill ski slope. <laughs> See, that's the part that's, of you know. Yeah. Hmm. I won't even get into it. I'm so the, there's, you know, there's lots of options, but I think really the main thing is, is, you know, what do you want that portion of the trail to serve as, you right. know, and, th and that will, would you decide how it's going to serve the public will determine really where the, where it's going to go. Right. And I think you need to figure that out first before we think of placement just because of all the other stuff that's, that's going on. You, you mean what demographic would actually be using right. Okay. You know, do you want it as connectivity also, or do you so. want it as a, you know, a trail experience? Right. We'll have that for you next that's, meeting. That's a lot to talk about. There's, right. a, there's a whole long, <laughs> a whole long right, conversation. That's all I got to say. one last. No, 41 good. If, if, hey. I, if I may, one last thing I want to thank Nicole and the rest of the finance people for, for all the help and all the budget amendments and helping us get things cleaned up. So they, they've done great. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. CC42. Yeah, thank you for that question, Commissioner Wilson. Appreciate that question. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> Budget Amendment CC42, um, item 17 on page 100 and, uh, 112. And this is the amendment that establishes budget authority to spend the funds uh, for the special revenue fund for the Kenton Arrows Development Foundation. And this is uh, goes with the They wanted the draw. an advance on their 570, right? Right. So um, that establishes that. So I make a motion that we approve CC-42 since we did already. <laughs> Essentially. Right? Right. Second. Motion to second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. And I think we have... Uh, one desk item, commissioners. Uh, number one, uh, rural bar the Rural Broadband Grant Support Letter and uh, our Department of Economic and Tourism Development is seeking additional grant funding under the Rural Maryland development fund to improve broadband access in commercial areas and this is a support letter for that i move that we approve the request to provide a letter of recommendation for the support of the grant for expansion improvement of broadband in commercial areas in queen anne's county second 
Motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye zero. Motion carries. Okay. And the legislative item remaining. All, yep, that is all of our action items. We have a legislative item. We have County Ordinance 2104, an act concerning the utility scale solar array uh, district uh, in Queen Anne's County. It's available to be voted on. That's uh, tab seven, item two. I move to adopt County Ordinance 21-04. Second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? You abstain. Dom and I, I'm sorry. You're not okay. Five zero, then the motion carries. Okay. And that's all we had for this evening's agenda. Um, press and public comment. <laughs> Part two. Any comment? Nope. No press and public comment. Anybody have anything to say? Okay. Commissioner Roundtable. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Um, so yesterday had the opportunity to take an all-day uh, agritourism tour with, uh, in, in combination with our economic development uh, committee and our travel and tourism committee. Um, we visited um, five sites throughout the county to look at some of the different things we're doing in the agritourism world. We got to go to Cashew Vineyards. Um, then we went to uh, Big Truck Brewery, which is due to open next month, which is um, they're going to be the, for those that don't know the history of Big Truck, they actually have a brewing tasting room out in Baltimore County, northern Baltimore County. This is going to be more of a production facility for them. They are going to put in a tasting room, but it's not going to be their primary business. They're going to be doing a lot of packaging of kegs and, and cans and all out of there. Um, but great establishment. Uh, I know Planning and Zoning had a good time with them because they were, and they were out there to see it. Uh, apparently it was a real smooth process. He credited uh, PNZ on how well everything went uh, to work with them. Not as not a whole lot of hurdles, so that was good to hear. Um, then we went to White Branch Manor, had some lunch, uh, a little pocket uh, wedding venue and event uh, place. Beautiful, sitting out in the farm. And then uh, went north to Godfrey's um, to look at their uh, self-picking, uh, different things they do throughout the year between strawberries, blueberries, and for those that looking for something to do Saturday, the uh, blueberry boogie. Uh, 5k around Godfrey's is this Saturday um, and then we ended at Patriot Acres which is more of the traditional uh, farm craft brewery uh, just to kind of see the differences between both production brewery which Big Truck is and Patriot Acres um, a lot of good information got a lot of feedback on what it was like to go through the process to build each individual business where it was and uh, you know, and, and ideas for future businesses. And that it's really, it's, it's funny because all these people that are in some of these niche farm businesses, the, the um, I'll call it additional revenue businesses that are, farmers are finding to do, it takes a lot of out-of-the-box thinking to come up with some of this and make it happen, but it's important to them because, again, it's one of them things that, that you know, it gives them that little extra cash to do whatever things they may want to do in the future, and they're, and they're always looking for something new to do with it, so it's great. And then that's why that whole agritourism, definitions thing was an important bill, especially for Queen Anne's County with all the people that are doing what they're doing. Um, the second thing I just wanted to mention, and I know there's been conversations and, and talked to others about it, but it's just something I want to keep on people's radars is with the latest school shootings and the mass shootings and things like that is, um, I'd just like to see us do, and I know we did it a few years ago, we did a, a study of the exterior, how hard our schools are in terms of um, not only locks working things like that but i think procedurally you have to uh, really look at some of the stuff you know 
we don't have cameras on the perimeter everywhere we probably should. Um, we should have a program where you look outside and you say, is there anybody hiding in the bushes before you go open a door or chuck a door open? Because that's just, you know, somebody who wants to do that, they're contemplating doing it. So they're watching and looking for their way in. And I just think it's important that we uh, be a little bit more vigilant in how we uh, approach some of this school safety. I know the sheriff's working on it and commissioners are on board and the school board, but I just don't want to see us kind of let it fall behind. Let's just keep being vigilant with it and continue to do what we can. I know we, you know, we put the, the new um, entrances in at Churchill and Sullivansville, which prevents what actually happened in Uvalde, where there was only a single uh, corridor that you had to get in and then you were in the school. At least there we have, you know, it's a two, two tiered system. You can't get through one and the other by just walking through. So things like that. And, and I'd just be interested to see what comes back um, when they start looking into that. Uh, the other one is, um, so obviously gas prices are hitting everybody hard. Um, one of the things that I thought about is our volunteers, and, and you know, we did a great job as was um, expressed by the, um, the, the people that take care of the volunteers uh, retirement programs of recruiting in the last three years since we did a lot of the stuff with the property tax credits for our first responders and all that. Um, and we've gotten a lot of young people in, but they're also young people that don't have high paying jobs. And I just, it's the commissioners, and I'm gonna look into it further to bring a number back, but what I'd like to do is create some kind of a small supplemental gas fund for our volunteers that they can, and I'm not saying they pay for the full price of the gallon, but let's face it, gas was 250 a year ago, and now it's $5. And those guys are still showing up when that, when that bell rings. Um, and some of our younger firefighters, that's coming directly out of their pockets. So I would like to do something, and I'm not saying a big amount of money, but just something that could be a stipend that the stations could hand out to the firefighters that are showing up, getting on the truck, and going out and answering the calls to help offset some of those additional costs to get there every day. Because uh, sadly, most of them drive larger vehicles because they're carrying their equipment or whatever they're doing if they're going directly to the scene. So um, just an idea I'm gonna throw out, and I'll get some numbers for the next meeting that we can uh, mull over to, to see what kind of effect it'll have. And uh, I was going to segue to Jim, but that's all right, because I have some, quite, some things, because I know what he's going to talk about, so, but I'm done. Mr. Dumino. Um, so uh, we actually did discuss that, uh, Commissioner Chris Corcorino, myself, in the uh, Board of Ed liaison meeting that we had before this one. Um, there actually is already a committee in place that is taking a look at um, addressing those issues. Uh, Commissioner Wilson that you mentioned regarding the safety in our school buildings. Um, so that is act, actually actively already taking place. Um, and um, so that's good news there. Um, I, I would like to task um, our Parks and Recs Advisory Board and um, our County Administrator um, to look into the possibility of allowing um, our licensed and permitted um, food vehicles, food trucks, to utilize Mattapeak and, and some of these um, other parks and landings that we have on the weekends, on hot days, when the beachgoers and, and the visitors to our area uh, are looking for something to eat. Uh, I, I know that there are some concerns about, you know, if we can do it. Um, I, we, I mean, we're losing, an op our, our, our local businesses are losing an opportunity um, to generate income from folks that are visiting our parks and beaches from across the bridge. And I just think that um, the ability for them to come and, and you know, set up from a certain time, um, obviously have the, the proper health department requirements and permits and license to do it, but allow them to do that. 
uh, and not be concerned about it. So if the PRAB and, and our county administrator could look into what needs to take place in order for that to happen, I would appreciate it. I think also they're talking about would they be able to sign up and you know go from one location to another in the same day if you know an event is slower like let's say they're at love point it's you know soccer games are over could they then transition down to like mattapeak or something mm -hmm. like that but i think you have a it's, a it's a good idea and it helps them out that's all i have thank you commissioner steve wilson uh, first agree with jack i think good idea to throw some, some I think we really ought to concentrate on what we could do for the Vols in terms of gas money and expense because <coughs> this thing is going to get worse before too long, I think. We sitting two weeks ago, crude oil was $110. It's 120 today, and that's it'll be coming through. Food costs going up. All the corn and wheat price that went up in March and April is now going to get priced into the chickens that are being grown. It'll get on the supermarket shelf in the summer. Another bump coming no matter what the Fed does. So interesting. So that one thing. Another is uh, pointed out to me by our excellent uh, Mr. Wheatley that the, uh, that the medical situation at the hospitals is still backed up. Did you take note of the fact that Easton had 220 hours of alert, which is just unimaginable. And it seems to arise from the fact that uh, they have no staffing, so they have no beds. So people get stuck in the ER and don't get upstairs. And our unload time now is used to be average an hour and 10 minutes at Anarello. Now it's about two hours, which just ties up our crews for three forever. So we have to have you know, a lot more equipment and time in this game right now. So that's what's going on there, and uh, that's it. Commissioner Moran. Thank you. Uh, well, first off, for I don't know how many people are watching this, uh, but uh, hopefully they'll get the message out there because we blew through it pretty quick with approving the budget and dropping the property tax to 83 cents. Uh, which is about a million and a half dollars and uh, you know we earlier this year we, we lowered the or we held the, the price on the water and sewer bills just because of the inflation that everybody's feeling across the board and it's been over 10 years since taxes were raised uh, and this rolls back to taxes it's it's not a huge amount of money I mean a million and a half is a huge amount of money but per household uh, we're, we're hoping that this will ease some of the pain of inflation uh, to our county uh, property owners. And uh, it puts us now as the third lowest, third lowest property tax in the state of Maryland, which I think that speaks volumes for Queen Anne's County. Considering there's 23 counties in Baltimore City. That's correct. And we're the third lowest, not the third highest. So those that say their taxes are out of control, <laughs> you must be making a lot of money. That's all I can think of. But. Uh, with that being said, uh, I had the pleasure uh, as the parks liaison of uh, going to the ribbon cutting for the uh, new ranger station and bathrooms uh, at Terrapin, uh, which is, a, I think, a great addition for that park uh, with the amount of people that visit it. And the same day, we rode over to Mowbray Park and uh, 
cut the ribbon for the new 10-court pickleball uh, complex that's there, brand new. And, uh, you know, it, it, these are, I can remember four years ago going through uh, Love Point Park, gravel parking lots, uh, chain link fences were rusting and, and falling down, the trail wasn't paved. I mean, we, we've come a long way. Uh, now we have lights uh, on our tennis courts that are down there, which are redone. Uh, the lights are redone on our baseball fields, our soccer fields. Uh, you know, so these are, and, and I don't believe we charge for that anymore. We, we just, you, know, you hit a button, the lights come on for a designated amount of time, and you can hit it again, but you know, no play after 10 p.m. So, I mean, these are all uh, amenities we're trying to move forward in the county uh, for our citizens. And, and the last thing I'm, I guess I'm going to say is, can't get out of here without talking about a bridge. Um, <laughs> something happened with that recently? Uh, something, a little thing happened with that. Uh, uh, those that don't understand the process, uh, don't worry. We're we're gonna we're gonna explain the process in a, in a little more detail with some infomercials. Uh, the NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, is a process that you have to follow uh, in these type of projects. And uh, we just went through phase one of the NEPA, which was the selection of the corridor, the amount of corridors that were involved. Uh, narrowed it down to three in a no build uh, and the federal government came back and said that corridor number seven uh, you know where the bridges are now is where the new bridge will go so that completed phase one which took six years a little less than six years but unfortunately COVID got in the way of it so that slowed things down so now we're into phase two of the NEPA and what phase two of the NEPA will do it will tell you exactly where the bridge is going to hit where it's going to start where it's going to stop if it's going to be an eight-lane bridge, is it going to be a bridge tunnel, is you know, and what amenities? And, and everybody has to keep in mind this is a corridor project. This is not an eight-lane bridge that's going to go down to to three lanes on each side of the bridge. It's a corridor project with upgrades to the entire corridor from approximately the 97-50 split in Annapolis to the 301-50 split here in, in Queen Anne's County to include 404. So you know, I mean. I, I could talk for hours about what it's going to take and, and what people are, their concerns are and how they're going to be addressed. For instance, you know, uh, there'll be ramps that will be removed, there'll be ramps that will be added, there'll be overpasses that will be added, there'll be hopefully some pedestrian overpasses, you know, if we stick to our guns, will be added, and sound barrier walls. I mean, I, you know, I look at uh, Stevensville Middle School. And those kids are out on that playground right next to that noisy highway. And, you know, we talk about safety. We talk about other issues. I'd love to see all this addressed. And I think it will be addressed. I think, you know, people will say to me, well, you still have the backups with the lights in, in, in Easton. And a lot of people don't understand that the state is controlling those lights on weekends so that we don't have a monstrous backup at the Bay Bridge. So they, they push some of the delays back to 404 and they push some of the delays back to 213 and further into Easton. So all of that will play into this, this process. And unfortunately, it's gonna take probably another four years to get through this, phase two of the NEPA. But phase two of the NEPA, not only does it tell you what kind of bridge it is, where it's going, all the amenities to it, um, it also tells you the funding for it. And that's where we need to get. We need to get through phase two of the NEPA because there's no turning back after that. Uh, you know, uh, I, I talked, you know, it was, it was a pleasure having Governor Hogan here uh, Friday morning to talk about this and, and to, to sign off on, on moving forward to $28 million for phase two of the NEPA. 
and it, you know, and talking to some of the other officials there. So, you know, they, they have a plan, and, and they did thank us. They thanked Queen Anne's County for our coalition, you know, for getting out there and going to the other counties. You know, we have every county on the Eastern Shore and, and Ocean City that has signed on with a letter of support and or resolution supporting a replacement bridge here at these existing bridges. And for anybody out there that I, 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 I don't like to look at social media, but sometimes my wife makes me. And I will tell you that there will not be three bridges at this location. Just isn't going to happen. So, you know, one bridge, if not both bridges, will probably come down. And again, that'll all be, be uh, laid out in, at the end of the phase two of the NEPA. But I, did, you know, I, I want to reiterate the fact that the coalition, and we have three Western Shore counties, and we're, we're going after more. You know, uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the election. We don't know who's going to be the next governor. We don't know if that governor is going to say, no, we're not messing with this bridge. You know, so we need to keep this train on the tracks. And one way, the best way to do that is to keep the coalition informed, keep them supporting it, because it's going to be awful hard for anybody to come into office when we have, right now we're at, uh, how many counties, Todd, total? 13. 13 right now, and, you know, hopefully we'll be at 16 here within a month. And, uh, you know, those numbers speak volumes for the project. It's the largest project the state of Maryland will ever, uh, I think, uh, do. You know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 to $10 billion. And, God knows what, what construction costs it'll get to, but uh, you know this. Every study, everybody that talks about this, with all the roads leading to this location, this is the only solution. If you take an hourglass, and where that hourglass comes together in the middle, and you open it up, that sand flows very fast. And you know people say that Route 50 can't handle the traffic. Route 50 isn't the problem. It's the bridge. They're not stopping out on 50 in some random location. It's the bridge. And, uh, you know, the state admits it. The state uh, concurs with that and has been saying that for years. And, uh, you know, we, we need relief for our citizens. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's a big ask and I know it's, it's, uh, it's a hot topic. But, uh, you know, somebody's got to be the adult in the room. And, you know, this isn't going to be something that will flood our side streets with more traffic. It keeps the traffic out on Route 50 and keeps the quality of life in Queen Anne's County where it should be. So. I've raveled on long enough, and I'm. Well, actually, Jim, I'm gonna, I want you to expand a little bit, just to kind of put it to frame it for, because a lot of what I hear is more traffic, more growth, more development. Well, we have no septic, we have no development right now, so that's I'm a sewer. I'm sorry. Right. But the traffic is going to continue to grow. We right. all sat in the study that showed what the traffic is going to grow by over the next 10 years, and, and everybody's got to be realistic. We're 10, 12 years from a replacement bridge. From driving over something new. Right. So. Um, over the next 10 to 12 years, imagine the traffic we're looking at now. And if my numbers are wrong, Stevie, I know you know those. It's like one and a half, two percent was a conservative estimate of growth, right? right? That traffic's still going to come here. Right. It, nothing's going to change about that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there is no relief unless we continue down this path, correct? That is I mean, correct. I mean, we 100%. won't even have an option for relief. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, and I know we've, others have talked about it, but does it not make sense? Because we do have that 12-year window. That we, this will also give us some leverage with the state to say, okay, if you know the project's going to go forward in some way, shape, or form, can we start working on some of these uh, initial improvements in the corridor now? Mm -hmm. Get them in the hopper now, get, mm -hmm. get to working on some of them mm -hmm. so that when you land a bridge here, now you're not starting all those other ancillary projects on the corridor. It would make sense, doesn't it? I mean, well, we, we, can, we can definitely ask, but again, I mean, that was a question that was asked uh, in Talbot County. They asked the question, you know, well, we know that all you're doing is moving it 
you know, the, the traffic and the congestion to us quicker. And so we want X, Y, and Z. And, and the state came back and it makes perfect sense. Until we design what we're going to do, right. how can we tell you what's the best way to address that? So until it's, you know, they, they get into the design phase of, uh, you know, what this is going to look like, this corridor project, it's hard to ask them to start something when they don't even know yet what it's going to be. No, I'm saying yeah. post NEPA 2. You still got four years NEPA 2, then you've got engineering obviously breaking right. ground. There's yeah, still probably a, a dead band of six to eight years in there where that we can definitely yeah. ask. And, and yeah. the county, and, and the other point I want to make is the county grew by 1,800 people in yeah. 10 years from yeah. 2010 to 2020 census. 1,800 people. Right. We haven't had a big growth spurt, and no amount of, of through traffic is going to, you know, push that to. Well, we know, you know, we also know, and I've been approached by a couple of different uh, conservation associations, you know, in Annapolis that, that have said, you know, people are going to fight this. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I get it. I mean, you know, what really gets under my, my skin is people that fight it that don't live here yeah. and don't give a damn about the 25,000 people that live on Kent Island and what they have to go through. And this goes for the Broadneck Peninsula also. So, you know, it, you know it's, it's one thing. And, you know, you want to use this as a tool to control go growth. That's fine. We'll make some laws somewhere else down the line. I mean, in Queen Anne's County, like you said, you know, the, the residential market is, is almost dried up right now. It's, it, there is no sewer allocation. You know, the what's left is on the commercial side. And, and uh, you know, that's, this is just the nature of the beast that we're going to have to live with. I mean, I, and I tell people, you know, look back 10 years ago. Was there any, I mean, I, I've been in this position now for, for nine years. And I can remember the, the first year being here. Uh, we talked to the state about it, but I think there was only three backups the entire year. Three, and I'm not talking like these 12, like yesterday, or excuse me, Sunday was 12.6 miles. Right. 12.6 miles in a backup. That takes you all the way past 97 on the other side, and they'd be losing their mind over there. So, you know, it's just, we need to move forward with the process. It's a slow process, but as long as it keeps moving forward, there's light at the end of that tunnel. And I don't want to take any more time, but boss, you're back good. To you. Yep. I want to take some more time. Uh -oh. Go ahead. So, one of the arguments which I think we ought to start working the public and educating everybody about is the argument that the reason a reason not to do this bridge is because it's going to create more traffic and more development. The word traffic, if you were to use instead tra transiting vehicles through, is not what traffic means like it's a bad day for traffic. That's a different thing. Point Jim makes about the fact that the traffic is moving and not jammed up, it keeps it off the back roads, means this is going to create less traffic. The second point is more development. The facts are it's a very cruel way to try to control development by creating traffic jams to make the place unlivable so that people don't move there. I think the majority of people on Ken Island don't want more, develop, more, more traffic or more development, and I think it's totally legitimate and probably we should be doing tougher zoning to limit that development and respect that democratic feeling. But you don't do it by creating traffic jams. That's an inhumane and poor way to undertake that challenge. So, All right. Anybody else? All the time's been used up. I think I have anything. Oh, I want to, one thing I want to add real quick. Um, so we, we don't have somebody out in the audience that we normally have, and that's Luke Parker, who has mm -hmm. left the Bay Times. But I want to commend him. He, he was thorough. 
Um, he was tough, um, but he's also fair. Um, I'm going to miss him. I thought he was a great reporter, and I think it's a loss for us, but he's on to bigger and better things, and I can't wait to see uh, where his career takes him. So, Luke, thank you for your service to the community um, by reporting. Hopefully we'll get somebody else half as good as he's him. He's a great reporter. He was great. He was great. So I, I appreciate his uh, service. With that, I will take a uh, motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Thank you. Thank you.